get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and happy last day of November, everybody. How are we doing? Oh, my gosh. You're is right. Yeah. Today? Goodness gracious. This How about that? month that is kind of raced by, didn't by. it? Yeah. <laughs> Seems like Halloween was yesterday. <laughs> look at my watch. See what day yeah. it was. Yeah. I feel oh. like as I've gotten older, I really do lose track of time. Mm-hmm. They weren't joking when they say that it really just flies by. Yes. It does. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It is flying. It is. Yeah. That's because we're having fun and making good memories. Time the way. does fly when you're having fun. Oh, Brooke, that's so cute. <laughs> uh, and we're going to have a fun show. This show is going to fly by because it's going to be so much fun. And Greg Amzinger is going to talk a lot. That's always a good thing. Uh, Greg will join us at the bottom of this hour. We're going to talk to Bernie Federko. We're also going to talk to Benji Molina, the brother of Yachty and the Cardinal Spanish language broadcaster. He's a big. He has a big uh, charity event coming up this weekend. And also Jeremy Rutherford on the Blues who play tonight here on 101 ES. ESPN against the Sabres. Pre-game at 6, face-off at 7. Blues lost their last game in Minnesota on Tuesday night. 3-1. to yes. one. The days all fly. All, they, they, they're together. just all jumbled together. Yeah. together. <laughs> well, you kind of want to fly past that, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, no Tage Thompson tonight. He's on the uh, injured list. So we're going to miss out on the former... 6-7 Blue, who's become one of the most productive players in the NHL. You always make that trade. A hundred times out of a hundred, you trade a guy for a guy who leads you to a Stanley Cup. And obviously, Ryan O'Reilly did win a Conn Smythe Trophy. A hundred times. Uh, are, do you guys feel that way? If you make a trade and you win a championship as a result of that trade, do you make that a hundred oh. times out of a hundred? Oh, Definitely. yeah. I do, too. I it's can't believe it. that there are people out there that say, oh, no, you 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 take the future of Tage Thompson and continue the Blues uh, 52 or whatever it was, your malaise, and then you wind up trading Tage Thompson and he winds up winning a Stanley Cup elsewhere. No, that doesn't. that's not the way to do it. You take the championship. You take the cup. You kiss the cup. Yes. There's no way that anybody realistically thinks that, though, right? Oh, no. Text in 65, uh, right. not 657. Yeah. 3-1-4-3-9-9-9-6-4-6. 3-1-4-3-9-9. Yo-ho! If you, right now, and you're anonymous, you can say it, uh, if you would take back the Tage Thompson, Patrick Berglund, Vladimir Sabotka uh, trade, uh, somebody else was in there, for uh, Ryan O'Reilly. If, if you would take that trade back, if you were a fan of the Blues, because you think Tage Thompson is going to be a superstar for 10 years. Yeah, no. Meanwhile, uh, Craig Berube joined the Fast Lane yesterday. He joins them every week, and he talked about getting ready to play this game tonight. Yeah, it's a huge home game. Uh, We'll be ready to go. I'm not too worried about that. I think they're back home. They had a day off today. They're rested. They'll be coming out 
they'll be rested tomorrow. And, uh, you know, listen, it's just mental right now. It's a mental grind right now. Um, and, you know, each each player's got to understand that, and they got to battle through that grind. That is something that is really difficult in hockey. And it it's not new. It's just that I think other eras... This is, uh, uh, you know, waving my fist at the cloud. But other eras were better at playing a higher, playing hard in a higher percentage of games. And it used to be, that's what the Blues sold. The Blues sold that we come to to work hard every night. Back in the Brian Sutter as captain days, that was their thing. And when John Davidson came here, and this is now Davidson, uh, he came here in like 06. He was a former Blues player. And they did a survey, he and Dave Checkett's in the group, did a survey of Blues fans. And at that time, because the Blues hadn't won a Stanley Cup yet, it was more important for those people that were buying 41 games worth of seats every night to have a team that worked hard all the time than to even win a Stanley Cup. I think that when you hear Berube talking about the mental aspect of it, that, that's it's so important and it's so overlooked Oftentimes, people all of us always assume, oh, he's athletic. Oh, he's he's great in physical shape. But the mental side of it, the will and the want to do it every single day, even when you're tired, is what separates great teams, great players from average or, or average players mm-hmm. and average teams. Those are the things that change. Is if you are willing to do something when you are dog tired, when you don't want to get up, when you don't want to move, when your body is sore, but you still get up and you perform at an elite level – that's when you become a great team and a great player. And it's all mental. It, 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 every team is sore. That's why I never buy into, oh, the elements. Well, hell, both teams are playing in the elements. <laughs> oh, it was Thanksgiving. Hell, it was Thanksgiving for both teams. I don't care. <laughs> one team had the, had the will to get up and fight through it, and the other one, you know, said, ah, I'm just too tired today. Or, ah, it's just too much today. That's it. It's a mental grind. And are you willing, do you have more players on your team that are willing to say, the hell with that, get up, let's go, and then everyone else says, okay, I guess I got to go. That's how it works. So it's all mental. It's not a physical issue. It's a mental issue. And as soon as you start making that mental excuse, then it probably reflects in your performance, right? Yes. Does it really reflect in mine? Wait, so here's the thing. You say you, you don't give 100%, but you are the first one here every single yeah. day, correct? That's correct. Brooke and I walk in, I don't know, 6, 45, 48, 53. I'm just making coffee in the workroom. If it's a really bad day. <laughs> if it's a great day for me, I'll get here at 635, right? You are here by about 6, I would assume about 610, 615 yeah, every yeah, single day. Yeah. So, yeah, you make a conscious effort. Whether you want to or not, <laughs> to get up, get out, and get here on time and be ready to work. <laughs> I don't want to get stuck in the snow. <laughs> in the snow? <laughs> hey, uh, there's also Thursday Night Football tonight on Prime. Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet will have the Seahawks. And how about them Cowboys? They're 8-3. and three. Are the Cowboys a Super Bowl threat here? I kind of think they are. I don't think so. I'm glad I, to hear that. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think I think they're the third best team in the NFC. Uh, Detroit was up there. I told you yeah. a while ago. I didn't think Detroit was was as good as people were saying they were. But the Philadelphia Eagles are as good as they've been advertised. The San Francisco 49ers are as well. And then you got the Dallas uh, Cowboys. I think mm-hmm. they're right there behind those two. But Philly and and San Francisco are 
so much better, in my opinion, right now. And, and Dallas, they won some games, but I don't think that they won games that are really turning your head and saying, oh, yeah, they, they, are, they mm-hmm. are moving in a direction that feels like they could be in a Super Bowl. I, I think it's going to be too tough to beat either one of those two teams in the, uh, in the divisional round and maybe in, in a conference championship. Thank is, you. Is it just the feeling that you just feel like the Cowboys will not be able to kind of pull it off? Even when they look like they could, is it just the feeling they won't be able to? They really haven't played. They, they haven't beaten a great team, have they? No. They've exactly. beaten the Giants twice. They beat the Jets. They beat the Patriots, who was the worst team in the league. They mm-hmm. beat the Rams, the Chargers. Uh, they beat the Panthers and the Commanders. Those are not teams. Yeah. The, the teams that they've lost to were the they lost to the Cardinals, which we're still trying to figure that one out. But they mm-hmm. lost to the 49ers, and they lost to the Eagles. So the two elite teams in their conference, they've already lost to. Yeah. And I, I just don't think that they are there now. They're playing better, but again, you're playing against some teams that are not great mm-hmm. as well. A crazy story. Aaron Rodgers injured, obviously, in the opener. Five plays into the Jets opener. He's been cleared to practice with a torn Achilles. Here's ESPN's Lewis Riddick. I don't see any reason why... Other than Aaron's own competitive character and you know his own, you know, competitive desire to want to get back out on the football field to try and push this and try and risk doing damage once again to a 40-year-old quarterback's Achilles that right now, look, there really is you know absent again trying to make a playoff run here. There's real no no real reason to kind of push this and kind of risk it. Think about what he'd be coming back to. He'd coming coming back to an offensive line that is in the bottom quarter of the league in terms of run block win rate, pass block win rate. So really you're putting yourself in harm's way and for what at this point in time? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think number one, he wants to prove to the Jets, and this is kind of a weird thing to say about Aaron Rodgers, that the their investment was worth it. He wants to prove that he can come back next year and I kind of think that he wants to show his teammates, you know, we're, we're talking about the mental aspect of things and getting people to play hard. I think Aaron Rodgers, who at his core is pretty pretty old school when it comes to football, I think he wants to show those young players, okay, this is how you do it if you want to win. You, you got to be tough. Part of me feels <laughs> like, yes. Then another part of me feels like, look what I can do. Mm-hmm. Like, look at me. Like, I, I'm... But there's I'm, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, if you, kinda. If, you, if you do it... Randy, he got hurt in the fifth play, the fourth play of the game. He had gotten uh, hit two times, four plays. Mm-hmm. He had gotten sacked oh, yeah. once, uh, got hurried in another one. Like, that offensive line is not a line that you go behind with two great Achilles, let alone one that was surgically <laughs> repaired three months ago. I, I just don't think that that's safe. And if you are the head coach or the the owner of that organization, you have to take a realistic look at what you have and say, hey, Aaron, we love you. It's wonderful. But don't go out there behind those guys. And, Brooke, one quick thing. He he texted Neil Atreche, the doctor that did his surgery. He's out in L.A. During halftime of that game, he texted him and said, hey, i got to come in and have surgery on the Achilles. And he's on record as saying that he wouldn't do this. He wouldn't start coming back unless he got clearance from the best ankle doctor, the best Achilles doctor in the world, that Neil El Atrache out in L.A. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But anyway, he he got clearance from his doctor. Okay. Yeah. That, I, it's It just concerns me. But 
with what you're saying, CD, I 100% agree with you. I would be saying, hey, look, we, we got to, we, we, we love you, but we don't exactly need you right at this no. moment. But my question is, how do you tell Aaron Rodgers no? Just mm-hmm. the way you tell him. I think you have to, as a coach, as a owner, as a, as a player, a person that is in charge of making sure your players are safe, you have to tell. Sometimes you have to protect the player from themselves. We naturally get up, body sore, hurt. I'm going to push through torn Achilles. I don't need an Achilles. What the hell do I need it for? We're going to fight through it because that's what – and he's on the tail end of his career. He does not want to walk away, and, and he didn't want that to be the end of his career to, to go down four plays into the season and never play again. He wants to play again. No question. But mm-hmm. as a coach, as a me- as medical staff, medical members, you have to protect him from himself, especially if you know the people in front of him may not be able to. Do you know how fast those guys are going to be coming oh, around that oh, edge? Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and you do. You, you <laughs> have on, to man. evaluate Tim Boyle. If you're the Jets. You don't have to evaluate Tim Boyle. You've seen more than enough of Timmy. Yeah, Timmy. You don't need to see Timmy. You don't need to see that. You've seen Zach. You've seen Timmy. You've seen Mike White. You got to see Joe Flacco. All of those guys over the last couple of years. You know what you got. Yeah, you, you know, do. you don't need to do that. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. We are off and running. Coming up, it's sick of it. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. And don't forget, you can watch us on our Air Alliance Team Studio cams. Just go to YouTube, type in 101 ESPN STL, and you can watch us on YouTube today as well. And I'm glad, if you already are, that you are doing so. Coming up next, it's sick of it. We want to hear from you on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Kerry, Randy, and you with the texts to the text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. You know what I'm sick of, guys? I am sick of people not taking the time to figure out what they're outraged about. (laughs) Trigger uh, struggle. So the other day, Rock has to put up what's called an audiogram on the old social, social medias, okay? And I had said during the course of our opening segment, only 11 minutes, that if the Cardinals were going to go into this territory of spending more money than they've ever spent to build a 500 team, that it would be a waste of money. Now, Rock put the headline up. That said, how did Randy Carricker start the opening drive following the breaking news on Sonny Gray signing with the Cardinals? This is a waste of money move. Now, I did say that, but the context was completely out of sorts. He also uh, put up a link to be able to hear what I said, but people decided to read rather than listen to what I said and selectively be outraged at that rather than take the time, you know, a couple couple seconds, couple minutes to to listen to what outraged them. They decided, no, oh, I got to be outraged. And I, I'm sick of people just deciding that they're going to be educated by memes or 
Randy, uh, informed by headlines. Randy, I'm sick of it. Randy, memes are truthful. What oh, are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, yeah. And everything you read on the internet is real. Is right, yeah. I, you you don't uh, have to research anything anymore. That's why that's what technology did for us. Take a little time <laughs> for this thing called nuance, okay? Uh, and just listen for a moment, okay? Just because I think people are just so quick. They want to be outraged. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to hear what they're outraged or see what they're outraged about. They just want to be outraged. And so the the context was what I just said. If the Cardinals are going to spend a record amount of money to be 500, that's a waste of money. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah. The Yankees feel like they're wasting money to be a 500 team. I think anybody would feel like if you're sending spending more money than you've ever spent before and you're going to be 500, that would be a waste of money. So, I'm just sick of people not appreciating context. And as Brooke, Brooke as you mentioned yesterday to me, now we know how athletes feel. <laughs> yes, exactly. I I 100% agree cuz yeah. I saw I saw the backlash on social yeah. media Randy and I I figured it was not people who listen to the entirety of the mm-hmm. show because you also mentioned that if a trade happened where you're able to get another mm-hmm. starting arm that this is a more complete starting rotation. I think that's something that a lot of people can agree on and I did have say mentioned. I like the moves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's not that you don't like Sunny Gray. Maybe. Just kidding. In quotes, but still, I think that people are just very reactionary now, and I think that they. Oh, there he is. There you go. There you go. Cool. I think that people now just react to the headlines, as you mentioned, Randy. Instead of even open the story, talking to other, I'm sure that you guys have too, to other writers, they have had to shorten their stories now because mm-hmm. people don't take the time to fully read a story. They've had to shorten their story. They have to think about the headline more because people will just react to the headline instead yes. of opening up the story and reading and doing their full research before reacting. And I think some people already have their mind made up before they even look at the story or the full context of things. Some people just want to be mad. I think that's a big thing. And then you know what else, Randy? Some people just want to be heard. And so we hear you. We don't always agree with you, but we hear you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you need. You need to be heard. And so you know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of people who are rude and disrespectful, and then they get offended when you become rude and disrespectful back. (laughs) Hey, man, I just met you with the same energy you met me with. (laughs) If you don't want to, there's a treat people how you want to be treated. Golden rule. That's the golden rule. And if you want to be treated with respect, then treat people with respect. If you want to be treated like a jerk, then treat people like your jerk. Mm -hmm. And, and, And you will be met with the same energy. I don't know what the problem is. I smile. I laugh when you're rude, and then I become rude back, and then you look at me like, oh, my God, you're, you're yeah. mean. You're, you're, you're going to beat me yeah. up. No, I just did what you did. I did the exact same thing, actually. Right. I don't know why you're so mad. Why are you hurt? Why are you afraid? I wasn't afraid when you were disrespectful to me. Mm-hmm. I just came back at you in the same right. way. And now, funny. now I'm the aggressor. No, sir. No, ma'am. We are both the aggressors. <laughs> we are both meeting each other in the same place. Now, we can go back to a different yeah. place. Yeah. Or we can stay here. I'm okay in either spot. It's I like that graph where it's, I can't say the word on here. F around but and find out. Or you can say mess around and yeah. find out. That's that's the type of energy CD that I love. Because ah, because I feel like nowadays people greater. don't expect you sometimes to react when they are doing that. Uh, they think they can just say some wild stuff and that you'll just sit there and take it. And yeah, some no. people do to avoid conflict, which yeah. I also respect. But sometimes, nah. some people need to hear how disrespectful they are back. They earn it. They earn it. You get it back.
Well, mine is going to be completely different, guys, because I thought about this last week. Black Friday sales. I feel like I'm getting bamboozled by Black Friday sales now, oh, no or sales in general. I don't know if you guys saw this. Over the weekend, <laughs> a TikTok video at Target, you know what I'm talking about, CD, exposed a sneaky little retail practice on Black Friday that went mega viral. In the clip, there was this girl where she kind of pulled back the sleeve, because you know they have that of the pricing, uh, and it said it was a TV that was on sale, and then she pulled back to see what the price was before. It was the exact same price. It's just that the one in front of it had, well, Black Friday, this is a big sale. I am sick of these fake sales. I don't know. Maybe people can text in. I'm even afraid to do with online shopping. I think that I'm not actually getting any sale with anything. And I'm sure there is some actual good sales out there, but I've seen these articles that bring up that Amazon has actually been known to hike up their prices right before a big sale. So this isn't limited to just Black Friday, but all these other special occasions that you're supposed to have a sale, I don't believe it anymore. I think that they're bamboozling people into thinking that you're getting a sale when it's just the regular price. So you have to use logic and intellect. One time, many years ago, I got a Black & Decker waffle iron on Black Friday for nine ninety nine. I think I got it at Macy's. Pretty sure I got it at Macy's. It's like one of my favorite investments ever, and even though it was only nine ninety nine, and this waffle iron still works great, and the waffles come right out of it, it's awesome. And I think the thing was like regularly forty nine ninety nine. So you just have to use a little logic. Now when you can get a, like at Target the other day on Black Friday, they had a 55-inch TV for $199, but it wasn't listed. It was still listed at $299, but they were selling it for $199. So you had to kind of ask the person, is this the one that's supposed to be on sale? So that also happens. I think they kind of hide the prices. I think so, too. And somebody put in here from the 636, they had Black Friday sales going on the week before. It's just new signage. I get that. I, I, but also, I kind of like the fun. Do you guys remember like the the kind of crazier days of Black Friday after your big Thanksgiving meal? Yes. Then you go I out and corral that. the family. You didn't go stand out at oh, Old Navy no, in a, no. out in the cold in the line waiting for a good deal. Um, I never did that. Oh. But we would go to the mall. Well, maybe we, it was just me. Yeah. Then. We, we would go to the mall at four or five in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But we would not get in the uh, in the stampede at Walmart or anything like that. There were people that got trampled. You remember those videos? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> no. It was that was an awesome, Randy. Yeah, it was. As long as you were involved, it was fine. All right. Uh, well, uh, Bradford Bruns, what do you got for us on the text line? Happy Friday Eve, gang. Even though I'm a little sick of having to stoop down to speak into this microphone, I'm 6'3 and a half for crying out loud. We'll get that fixed. From the 636, people who clog the whole entire aisle at the grocery store, oblivious, cannot get out of the way. Sick of it. I would say oh, it's the holiday season, but that is par and parcel these days, huh? Okay, kids. Uh, I, I go NASCAR. Rubbing is racing. Uh, so if if the if I need to move a car with, with, with my cart, yeah. Trade a little paint. You like that idea? <laughs> no, no problem. You know I like it. <laughs> trade a little paint. Because if I ask you two or three times, excuse me, hey, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. I trade a little paint. No, oh, I got it. Same thing. You're being rude. Now yeah. I'm being rude. Now you're offended. Hey, go figure. That's amazing. It, and it, it goes the other way, too, of, you know, where some people, you just get over to a spot in the aisle, right? Just and then and then somebody just gets, have you had that happen where somebody gets in front of you, like you go to get milk? Yeah. or something, Screech. and you're going to grab it, but then somebody comes in and they're like, I'm going to grab mine, too. You're like, whoa! Yeah. Personal space uh, a little bit uh, here. You know, you know. 
I don't have those many of those issues. No, yeah, uh, yeah. people don't. I, they, they. You they, can just give them a look. Well, they don't just because I will. <laughs> hey, Are you, you crazy? You, you, you lost it today. Are you okay? Are you not feeling well? <laughs> you're oh not my feeling gosh. well. You're okay. Okay. Interesting one from Lisa. I'm sick of the Cardinals not having any X Factor athletes. Your interpretation? Ooh, I would argue that Jordan mm-hmm. Walker is an X Factor and athletically. They have multiple X-Factors. Do they have X-Factor baseball players at the moment? I mean, Tyler O'Neill is an X-Factor athlete, right? Yeah. Uh, Lars Utbar, from a baseball perspective, can be an X-Factor athlete. Mason Wing clearly is an X-Factor athlete. But their X-Factor baseball players in their prime right now are Arenado and Goldie. But I I would argue that if Walker, Wynn, Newtbar reach their ceilings, they're going to be pretty formidable baseball players. I, I agree. Man, I think they're going to be really good. I, I would hope that they are allowed to use that athleticism. I would hope that they are allowed to get on the base base paths and, and take opportunities to steal a bag or put themselves in, in scoring position. I hope that they are allowed to do that next season because it's uh, it, it, it's going to help this team tremendously if, yeah. they, if they are able to do that. I think that Nolan Arenado, I know that this was not a good season for him, but I think he has the X-Factor stuff. He's obviously a superstar, but I think another person who has the X-Factor specifically for the Cardinals is Brendan Donovan. Yes, he does, and especially as a leadoff hitter. Getting on base now, is he going to be able to utilize the athleticism of a guy like Wynn? No, but as a rookie, he had a 394 on base, and even last year, once he got rolling, he got off to a bad start like everybody else, and before he got hurt... Uh, offensively, he's really solid, and he's so versatile defensively. I'm intrigued to see what he does at one position. I hope that Brendan Donovan is just the second baseman, and they let him play the position and get better at it and get reps and see what happens. It's amazing if you could just play one position yeah. every day, Yeah, how good you could be at it. I, I get the sense that that's what Ollie wants. I, Consistency? I really, yep. And I think, I, I don't know if they're taking a cue from... Whitey's Cardinals, or Tony, well, Tony didn't do it as much, but especially the Braves of last year. But it should be Newt Barr, Edmund, Walker, Arenado, Wynn, Donovan, Goldie, and then the two catchers probably split time with Contreras playing 100 and Herrera playing 60. That should be, for 130 days of the season, your lineup, in my opinion. Hopefully. Yeah. One more. Tis the season from the 618. I'm sick of all of these political text messages I keep receiving. No, you're not getting my money, and my name is not Delberta. That's a lovely name. Block the number. Just Somebody to... put you on a list. Because yeah. I'm not getting I haven't gotten any Yeah, I, I, I get one from somebody named Lucas Kuntz. I have no idea who he is. I've heard that one. Randy, yeah. I, that so I do at times call. I'll answer mm-hmm. and talk. Hey, what, <laughs> yeah. so what do you, or I'll text back, what are, your, what are you, what are you right, uh, running on? What, what are your beliefs? I want to know. Now, yeah, let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Just and if there aren't, then why would it, why would I send you? That's the thing. These people are getting paid by political operatives yeah. and really mm-hmm. have no idea. I remember one time, and I don't even remember the uh, what year the election was. But the person was that was making the phone calls didn't even realize what party their person was with that I was asked. Oh, yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. So you know, they're making a few bucks, I guess. And if I, well, no, I should say I feel bad. I don't. I love toying with people that. Cold call me. I love toying with them. I get yelled oh. at at home. 
but I love doing it. <laughs> David does the exact same thing at home. And I'm like, please, just let them go. Oh, no. <laughs> you're you're just toying with them. waste each other's time. Hell. Yep, let's do it together. <laughs> same energy, man. Same energy. Thanks, Redford. You're welcome. And it's Audra, according to some who try to reach me during the season. <laughs> Coming up next, our buddy Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. And uh, he had an interesting show last night. He'll join us next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. A busy start to the offseason for the St. Louis Cardinals. And here to talk about it with us is the host of MLB Tonight on MLB Network. He, of course, is a product of St. Louis and of the Lindenwood University. It's the great Greg Amsinger, everybody. Good to have him with us on yeah. 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Hey, do you mind if I uh, I need to ask a question to your producer, Bradford? So can you put Bradford on the line Bradford? for me, please? Yep, please turn on that microphone, sir. Sudden turn of events. Yeah. Hello, uh, Greg. Yeah. Hey, uh, Bradford. So I, I, I haven't had a chance to hear the reaction of my three cohorts that I'm about to chat with regarding the three starting pitchers at the Cardinals signed. I'm not going to ask them their reaction on a scale of one to ten because I think they'll lie to me. So I'm asking you. On a scale of 1 to 10, how do you think the three of them have reacted to these three starting pitching free agent signings? 10 being the best you can be. Like, I'm thinking Carlos Beltran, two-year deal. He was a two-time All-Star for the Cardinals. Or is it a 1, which is like Bob Horner, 1988, replacing Jack Clark? So go ahead and give me the number, Bradford. Two completely different sides of the spectrum there. How about a solid, solid 7.5? We won't say the utmost exuberance, but it's positive nonetheless. Wow, well done, Bradford. Thank you. All right, now I know what I've been doing. <laughs> okay. right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, I, I'm Greg. Forward to this. Okay, here, here's what I said on Monday morning when word came down that Sonny Gray, who... I have never really visualized, and I know he had a great year in 2023. I've never thought of Sonny Gray as an ace, as a number one, as a guy that I wanted pitching against Spencer Strider or Zach Wheeler to start a playoff series. I've never envisioned him as that kind of guy. And I I love the way that the Cardinals have backfilled their rotation. But without a number one, the, the words I used, Greg, were if you're going to spend 
an extra $50 million and move into a territory financially that you've never been in before. To me, if you're doing things to get back to 500, 81 and 81, spending that much money is a waste of money. They need to do more, in my opinion. All right, I'm going I'm to ask you a question. Don't get upset with me. No, I won't. I ask you this question. Hmm? Did you ever think Adam Wainwright was the number one? Yes. He finished second. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, on, he led the league in wins. He was a 22-game winner. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, he, I understand that. Now, that that stat didn't really line up with Sonny Gray this year. Yet he finished second in the in the American League Cy Young Award. Um, I, that stat's kind of old now. The way people look at wins. Mm-hmm. I know Adam Adam is hell bent that wins still matter, and I love hearing pitchers say that. Uh, their stuff is eerily similar, and yet I get it. Matt or Adam Wainwright is much larger. Sonny Gray, but they're breaking ball heavy guys that locate their fastball well, but they spin the baseball. Both guys do. Mm-hmm. Adam Wainwright stopped overpowering teams, really, when he stopped being a closer in 2006 for the St. Louis Cardinals. Never really overpowered people. So this is the same type of pitcher. Does he give the length and in the innings and in the bulk when Adam Wainwright was his prime? I don't think so. The Cardinals know that. That's why they backloaded the rotation with guys that can do that. So, uh, to me, to me, I think they addressed their glaring issue, which is we cannot get length out of our starting rotation. Not just the overall ERA, 26th in all MLB with the ERA over five. They, they're not getting length. And I think it's part of a new trend we're seeing in Major League Baseball. It might bite Blake Snell a hair. We're looking at teams that are okay – with pitch to contact starters, they need length. They need you know pitch counts that aren't over a hundred in the fifth inning. They need guys that can get them into the seventh inning if possible. Because the idea that we can bullpen our way to the playoffs doesn't work. You need your bullpen for the playoffs. You need swing and miss. But front offices are dividing the marathon from the sprint. And I think the Cardinals did that exceptionally well with these three signings. These three can help them get to the trade deadline where they're in the mix to win the division. And then they'll make trades from there to add the swing and miss into the rotation and in the bullpen to get them over the hump into the playoffs and then maybe a deep run in October. So that, to me, is what this these three signings symbolize for the Cardinals. Greg, tell me if this what I'm going to describe to you is just coincidence or if it's meaningful. This, and by the way, Sonny Gray is going to be pitching in St. Louis, where it gets to be 100, 110 degrees during the course of the summer. Adam Wainwright is 6'7 and 230. In Adam Wainwright's career in September, he was 42 and 19 with a 3.67 earned run average. Basically his best month of any season that he pitched. Sonny Gray for the month of September in his career is 13 and 20 with a 4.16. Sonny Gray is 5'10 and 195. Chris Carpenter was great in September. He was able to withstand the rigors of the six-month season. Are you convinced that Sonny Gray can be great when the chips are down in September? Yes, because we're looking at a guy who changed his career this past year. They literally named a new pitch because of him. Mm-hmm. I look a at slider. two starters. Yeah, it's a slider. Gray, yeah, the sweeper, the sweeper, yeah. which is more right to left bend on a breaking ball than just a tight slider. So he literally 
uh, because of his ability to spin a ball, which has always been amazing, going back to his days at Vanderbilt, he decided to really play with it. And Adam Wainwright did a great job in the broadcast booth during the postseason, walking uh, viewers through when he was working for Turner, uh, what the difference is, I think it was Fox maybe, walking the difference between what is a sweeper and a slider. And, and it's dramatic when you look at Sonny Gray. He's allowed to literally play with a baseball like it's a wiffle ball. They're doing new things with this guy's ability to spin a ball. So I would look at what he did in 2023 as a new pitcher. I would not look at him the way I would look at him when he was a young phenom for the Oakland A's or when he was struggling with the New York Yankees and he found it again with the Cincinnati Reds. That sweeper was the most dominant pitch in terms of hard contact in the game. And didn't get the same swing and miss as Blake Snell's curveball. Uh, but, but Sonny Gray threw it over 500 times, and not one batter hit a home run off of it. Keeping the ball in the yard is paramount for a starting rotation that gave up a ton of hits last year. This guy's going to keep the ball in the yard. Is he going to go into the seventh inning? He might not. Will he reach 190 innings? Probably not. People are like, oh, that's blasphemy. Oh, my goodness. Could he have an ERA under three? I think he will. Will he give your team a chance to win? Absolutely. So he's not what the rest of the rotation is set out to do. He's trying to get you the wit, the lead after five innings. Don't roll your eyes at that. It's modern baseball. It's just the way it is. And it's hard to find that on the open market. It just is. So I would view the adjustments Sonny Gray and Blake Snell have made in their careers. Blake Snell is, I'm not going to throw a 3-1 heater right down the middle anymore. I'm going to go, walk you. I'll throw up my nasty breaking ball in the dirt 3-1. And if you want to take your base final, start over with the guy in the on-deck circle. I'll strike him out. Those adjustments these two guys have made have made them different pitchers. I view them differently than I would the rest of their careers. So, yeah, I think Sonny Gray is going to be, when you look at it, the end of the year, he'll be competing for an ERA title, and he'll be in the mix for another Cy Young. I think he's that talented with this new sweeper. One last thing. Give me less than 30 seconds here. So you're comfortable with Gray starting game one against a Strider or a Wheeler? Yeah, okay. no, I am. Okay. Only if the Cardinals, only if the Cardinals uh, really bolster their bullpen. And once you get into the playoffs, you need more swing and miss behind Sonny Gray. Well, Greg, I, I enjoyed watching Sonny and his days at Vandy, but I wanted to ask you about, do you think that the Cardinals are done when it comes to adding to the starting rotation, which I know sounds a little bit weird because it seems like it could be complete, but you could also go out and make some moves via trade. Do you think that that's still an option for the Cardinals here, or do you see them just addressing the bullpen from here on out? I, I, I think it's a great question. I think the, the trades will happen around the deadline. I think this is a team that's going to try to – they've got a small window to strike based on the stars that are in their lineup that they're paying a lot of money. And, you know, they want to make Nolan Arenado happy. Like, hey, you know, this is not a 71-win team. This is not what we do each and every year. We're going for it. We're all in. I think they're saving the trades – for the deadline, and they're going to try to be in the mix to win the division, which I think they will be. I think they're going to sign one more starter who could be a hybrid guy. So think Sean Manaya, think Alex Wood, think somebody that you can sign, get into spring training. If all things work out, you got a long man in the bullpen, okay? If everyone's healthy that you've already signed. They're going to need to add length because um, we love the young left-handers the Cardinals already have in the organization. But to assume five starters all in their 30s are going to hold up and be healthy all the way from opening day to the end of the year, it's just not not realistic. So I think there will be another free agent signing, another one-year deal. Uh, And I I don't think that Dylan sees things in play anymore. I don't think Corbin Burns was ever in options. So the big trades for the Cardinals, I don't think are going to happen this offseason. 
Greg, are you having any concern? Obviously, Sonny Gray, they got a couple other signings. Miles Michaelis, Lance Lynn, and Kyle Gibson are all in the top five in earned runs and hits allowed last season. Does that concern you in any in any way? You know, it's weird because uh, there are a lot of Hall of Famers that, that you know, led baseball in walks. I think Nolan Ryan gave them most walks. Uh, hits, I mean, Purple Island gave up a hell of a lot of hits. Don Sutton gave them a ton of hits. You almost have to be kind of good to lead the league and giving up hits. You have to be out there for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're not going to lead the league and hits loud when you only pitch two in the third. So I, they've got a different leash. There's trust there. And we had a great conversation last night on MLB Tonight about Blake Snell and his evolution where, like I said before, he's not going to give it on a 3-1. And I did a, a list of the most effectively wild seasons in baseball history. The guy who led the league in walks. Here we want to Cy Young with a two two five ERA. Al Leiter was on the air with me, had a great year in '96, where he led the league in walks, but finished with 16 wins and a terrific ERA. And he had the same kind of approach, but he was also 30 years old. And Blake Snell made this adjustment, is this adjustment around the same age? And to me, you have to have dirt in your spikes to do that. You know, uh, Matthew Libertor is on a strict pitch count, and they don't want him nibbling. They, even though I think he could have the same. Blake Snell approach, which is I'll just get in a guy in the on-deck circle. But these young pitchers aren't allowed to do that. They have to give in. They have to get back into the count. And to me, I, 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 look, I look at pitching differently. And the front office of the Cardinals, they know they're not a top-five budget market team. The Yamamoto thing, those waters are too deep. So they had to go with a different approach. Weak contact and let's get as much length out of our rotation as possible because no matter what we do to this bullpen, it's going to be on fumes by the time we get to September. So they've got a bunch of 30-plus-year-old starters who they trust, right, to do whatever they need to do to stay longer in the game. And I think it's a new approach. Other teams are taking it to have a bunch of starters out there and have openers and to think you're going to bullpen your way through. That was a bad idea from Jump Street. And I sat on a plane next to Brian Kenny and I aired him out over it. <laughs> I, had, I aired him out over bullpen and Jason Hayward. And I think Jason Hayward still owes Brian Kenny about $75 million. <laughs> hey, I'm not kidding. Greg, you had an interesting conversation about analytics last night, about analytics being used as a tool or basically being what your franchise is about. And... It's interesting, and, and you talk to your work with former players. A hundred percent, a hundred percent of the old school players are non-analytically inclined. And you mentioned Nelson Cruz last night going to the Dodgers to be a special assistant. Who are the franchises that are completely driven by analytics? Oh man, too many, too many. And it's probably since I don't want to blast organizations for their approach. I'm not going to name them specifically, but. It is a um, it, it's, it's unfortunate how at times we have such a copycat league. Um, it, it to me, and, and I, I've always believed this: the great front office GMs are either former players who understand the humanity of what the sport actually entails, or very curious and comfortable in their own skin general managers. Well, who am I talking about? Theo Epstein. Theo Epstein was one of the guys. He was in the clubhouse every game, every home game, and he partied with players. He, I'm not saying you have to go out and party with players, but he knew them on a first-name basis. He knew their families, hung out with them. They loved Theo. There's not one player that played for Theo that didn't love him, okay? 
he understood the humanity. He asked baseball players questions about being baseball players. What's it like? Well, the spin rate says this guy's slider should be unhittable. But you had two hits. Does it look that? How would you compare a slider? Like He's curious because he's not out there doing it. So to, to take an approach where you're never going to ask baseball players or former baseball players what it's like to actually be in the moment, it's a recipe for failure, man. If you don't understand that these aren't robots out there and they're human beings and you're not curious to know and you think that the spreadsheet's got all the answers and, you know, anytime you're, you're, you're in a bind, grab an iPad. You're, these front office executives are operating like my, my son was when he was seven and he was in trouble at dinner. Like, you give him the iPad and he's going to sit there quietly <laughs> and watch some Nickelodeon. Like it's it's to me it's not the approach to winning a game and and we've got front offices. I'll just leave it at this in terms of how how haywire things have gone. There are front offices that have a, a whiteboard after games, and these are minor league teams that are doing this, where they are ranking the five best hitters in the game tonight, and it has nothing to do with hits. Or even home runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all exit velocity. So they rank the five guys that hit the ball the hardest tonight. They might all gone over four, and we might have lost the game fifteen to two. But they are celebrating the five best hitters in the lineup tonight. Not the guy that went four for four with two doinks over the third base line and a ground ball up the middle and a bunt knocked that scored a run. It has nothing to do with winning a game. It's next-level stats that really aren't helping you win anything. And that, to me, is a disconnect that's got to be flushed down the toilet. You need people in the front office that understand the game and know how to play it. It's a game. Try to win. Greg, I heard a, a story last year at the major league level where there was a team that lost the game, and after the game, the manager said um, that other team would much rather have our at-bats than their at-bats. <laughs> uh, uh, be, be, uh, it's exactly what you're talking about. Hey, you're headed to Nashville. The show MLB Tonight going to be emanating from the, the winter meetings. Last thing, where does Shohei Otani land? When you announce Shohei Otani has signed X, who is he signing with? I uh, signed up the Los Angeles Dodgers. This thing has been set in stone for the last three years. So I, I, I like the idea of the Red Sox uh, because of the connection to the New Balance headquarters. And he's just now the face of New Balance, but I think he'll be wearing Dodger blue. I really, I had so much so that when he won the MVP, I hosted that show and he had a new dog. And his handler said we weren't allowed to ask him what the name of the dog is. And I, I really believe it's because the dog's name is Blue. I think he. I think it's all connected to the Dodgers. So that's where I think he's going. I think he's going to be a Dodger. Greg, fun fact: we are. You've been in our studio. Right below us is New Balance, and right there on the front, New Balance has a sign that says "Locally Owned, Nationally Known." New Balance is owned by Brown Shoe right here in St. Louis. Well, and it's now uh, what's uh, what's the name? It's not Brown Shoe anymore. I don't think, but it's uh, New Balance is owned right here in St. Louis. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I've been told that they have a headquarters. Um, their main headquarters are in Boston. Yeah, that's exactly that's, right. Yeah, but they're they're okay. owned here. Oh, so maybe that's why they went a little mm. light with Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. There you go, yeah. brother. There you <laughs> go. is listening right now, punching his dashboard right now. <laughs> over. Yeah, he's probably not listening Fingers today. Crossed. Fingers crossed we get a little show hey play in St. Louis. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hey, we'll be watching all the time, and especially because you guys will have every move first next week on MLB Network. Can't wait for that. Thanks always for the time. Good to talk to you, brother.
All right. Take care, guys. See you. That's Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. And they are all over the winter meetings when they happen down in there. Is it happening at the Opryland Hotel? It is. Okay. (laughs) Yes. That's a monster. I've been there before for when they have those meetings. So uh, I remember uh, getting called to a press conference. I don't even remember what it was. It took a half hour. You get lost in there. You get lost. And guess what? They've expanded it. And they've added a water park. So it's even more insane in there. But it feels like you just have to like run around and get lost in the place yeah i've been there you probably have it's a really cool hotel and they decorate it really nicely for christmas so it's really fun to see a lot of christmas cheer nice coming up we'll have a quick ticket or leave it get your text in 314-399-9646-314-399 we've got ticket or leave it next on 101 espn when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It is time for Take It or Leave It here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carrie, Randy, and uh, Matthew is out today, so Bradford Bruns is in. Guys, I'm, I'm sure you saw this yesterday that uh, Matt Rule, the football head coach at Nebraska, said a transfer portal quarterback costs a million, million and a half, two million dollars. Take it or leave it. Nebraska can afford that. I'm going uh, to take, I mean, take it. They should. They think about the money that they paid to get rid of Scott Frost. Yes, they can. I think there's a perception out there because Nebraska, is in the, they don't have the big markets, that they don't have the money. But they can buy a quarterback. He should never complain about that. No, Nebraska, no. Nebraska definitely has enough money uh, to to make some things happen. Yeah. They are not lacking <laughs> no. much. Uh, so we talked about the Dallas Cowboys and, and their, uh, you know, future as far as potentially making it to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. They don't even win tonight. Ooh. Is that, is that game in Dallas? It's in Dallas. It's in Dallas. They do they, well I, at I, home. I'm going to leave it. I'm, they're going to win. I'm going to have to leave it just because they do well at home. I, I would love it if they would lose. I'm looking at the records of the teams that they've played. They, I mean, the best team they've played so far would be the Los Angeles Rams at 5-7. and seven. Is that right? What is that right? Five oh, and six. The best team that they beat. The best team that they beat. Yeah. yeah that's what I mean. Um, at five and six. Yeah. Hey, I just, Commanders won four games. Five the, and oh at home, though. They beat the mm. Giants twice. They've only won four games. They haven't played really any. This this might be the first team that, they ha- that has a winning record that they have a chance to beat. They haven't beaten... Many good teams. Do you think the clock might have struck midnight for Geno Smith, though? I don't think Seattle's that great. Yeah. They got to find a way to get the ball to DK Metcalf. Something is going on there. They, they, Kenneth Walker won't be playing again tonight. Um, they got some, some, 
injury yeah. bug hitting but them. Go Seahawks, definitely. Yeah. Go, go Seahawks. Seahawks. Uh, well, as we heard Greg Amsinger reveal earlier that he believes that Shohei's dog is named Blue because he's going to go mm-hmm. and be a Dodger, take it or leave it, Yamamoto's dog's name, if he has one, maybe he does, the dog's name is Mr. Met. Oh, I'm going to leave it. It's named Fred. Fred, really? Fred Bird. Fred Bird? Oh, well, I, I don't know if you heard Greg. He kind of squashed those dreams yeah, that did. we had for Yamamoto. <laughs> squashed a lot of dreams, actually. He opened actually. up the door for us. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. New balance. Yeah. yeah. You can come right down here and get some free shoes. <laughs> well, I think he already might get those. Oh, okay. Oh. We well, can just no. pick them up when he stops in for the opening drive. Yeah. But, uh, exactly. I, I'm going to take it. Uh, Mr. The, Met. Mr. Met. Uh, all right, what do you got on the text line there, Bradford? Time for a couple, guys. 636, take it or leave it. Keep Zach Thompson in the rotation and bump Steven Matz to the bullpen as a Ken Daly-esque piece. Take it. I'm going to take it. Was that Mosaic that texted in? Mm. No, sure. You like, you, like, you like Zach Thompson over Steven Matz? I, well, I think he's got a chance to be more durable. And I, I kind of liked what Matz did in the bullpen. I did, yeah. too. And they, it's he got like, corrected. Uh, you know, we, we, always, we always talk about the Cardinals about having an $11 million reliever. They paid Andrew Miller to do that, yeah. right? Yeah. It's uh, better to get something out of the contract than nothing yeah, out of it. They didn't bring Andrew Miller in to be a starter. No, but just <laughs> correct. Just forget about that. My point is, is that it's, <laughs> Minor not, detail. Yeah, it's not out of their bailiwick to do that, though, to, to spend that kind of money on a relief pitcher, regardless of the reason that you got him in the first place. Yeah. I mean, look at Brett Cecil. Uh, Brett Cecil was 30 and a half over four. Uh, his last three years in Major League Baseball, Andrew Miller with the Cardinals, signed as a reliever, made 11, 11 and a half, and then $12 million. So the Cardinals aren't averse to paying a relief pitcher $11 million. No. Tioli, Corey Perry, and Zach Wilson have already exchanged contact info. Oh, take, take it. it. Yeah. Oh. No doubt about it. Guys, it didn't so happen. Thing, you have to leave that. It didn't happen. Which one? Are we? Are we? <laughs> Both thing. of them. Oh, okay. Well, well, I'm pretty sure one of them happened. But well, Corey Perry, <laughs> he's 38-year-old man. Hmm? Kind of a daughter is eighteen. His mm-hmm. mother's probably 30. around that age. Yeah. Is it? Is it a? I mean, two adults. If it did happen, doesn't matter. Teammates. If it L- did happen, dressing room. If it did, team chemistry. That's your your your. That's an adult man. It's not like no. You don't do no. Hey man, I, I, I'm not saying. Okay, so what if they end up? What if that did happen and they end up getting married? Does it make it better? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, so well, then it's even more be, awkward, that right? that was going to be, yeah, yeah, hell yeah. It's more awkward. You know you got me fired a few years ago, son. Mm-hmm. That's a conversation we got to have yeah. at Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I think Connor <laughs> Connor will go to, to Canada Day and say, you ain't my paw. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> Not quite a Stifler's mom situation. Uh, Time for one more. Here we go. College football playoff style. The final four will be in this order. Michigan. Oregon, Texas, and drumroll please, Bama. Oh, I'm going to oh, leave that. Yeah, yeah no, I got to leave that. I'm going to leave that. We all think, made a sour Bama, face. After that. I don't know how Bama gets in. You said Texas? Yeah. 
Texas yeah. beat Alabama, so they'd Texas be the big 12 Alabama. champion. Alabama. So uh, you're saying Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, obviously. Does Washington, even with a loss to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, get passed up by Alabama? That is a very good question. And Bama beat, has mm-hmm. now beaten number one, obviously, because they, they beat, beat Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. It's going to be crazy to watch it all. But I mean, Ohio State is still ahead of Bama right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So you're just saying they just jump past Ohio State. With, it, with a win over the number the one win, team. Because they because they will not allow a college football playoff to hap, uh, to happen without any SEC team. I think it I, might have to happen. And it has to if, but it feels like it Ohio has State, to. if uh, Alabama beats Georgia. At the end of the day, Ohio State, the schedule is over. Defeated no real program they of substance. They no real Notre program Dame of substance. Yeah. But here's the thing. How And right now, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State are 1, 2, 3, 4. They're all undefeated. If they all win, how do you not keep it the same? And, and, and that's the thing. Florida State is getting disrespected because their quarterback is out for the year. Mm-hmm. We saw this with Ohio State a few years ago when they lost. They were down to their third quarterback and won the national championship with yeah. Cardell Jones. Do not assume that because... Florida State is without their starting quarterback, that they are not a top four team in the Okay, country. so let me give you this scenario, though. Michigan wins the Big Ten. Washington wins the Pac-12. Florida State wins the ACC. Mm-hmm. Okay? And Bama beats Georgia. How do you put Bama ahead of Texas? A one-loss Texas? You can't. No. You can't. So that would leave the SEC out of the Final Four. I, agree. I just don't see that happening. I don't see the SEC being left hey, out. If you ask Paul and Texas Fine, is ahead of Alabama, they should have right three now. teams in the SEC. Yeah, that's true. In the, from yeah. the SEC in there. I, I could absolutely see the SEC being left out of this thing because they just haven't watched Mizzou enough. It just means yeah. more. Thank you, Bradford. <laughs> My pleasure. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, are the Cardinals done with their pitching, their starting pitching? That's next on 101 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. These three can help them get to the trade deadline, where they're in the mix to win the division, and then they'll make trades from there to add the swing and miss into the rotation and in the bullpen to get them over the hump into the playoffs and then maybe a deep run in October. So that, to me, is what this these three signings symbolize the Cardinal. Interesting take from Greg Amzinger. It's 11 Time Check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. So he's suggesting that the Cardinals' moves so far are what 
they're going to do. He says the cease talks with other teams. Presumably the Dodgers and Braves are far down the road. And he doesn't anticipate that the Cardinals are going to add another arm until the trade deadline. I was actually, my initial reaction was kind of shocked when he said that because I was just assuming we talked about the whole Sonny Gray contract. We broke that down yesterday about how that also freed up some other money. You could possibly move some guys via trade where the Cardinals could get you know, another pitcher. And he did say that he thinks that they could get another hybrid guy via free agency this offseason. But then he was insinuating that this is it. I'm just kind of surprised because I assumed that they were going to make some more moves here via the trade because why not? You have a lot of guys available. So you're telling me, we know all this stuff with Tyler O'Neill this past season about how it was very clear that maybe Ollie and Tyler O'Neill didn't see eye to eye. And there was the comments that Ollie made at the end of the season about kind of weeding some guys out. When I hear weeding some guys out, I'm thinking about moving some guys, maybe non-tendering them. They kept him around. So I thought a trade could be coming. And that still is a possibility. But then you also have Dylan Carlson. There's some other names available. So you're kind of going in with the same approach that you did this past season, where you were going in with a lot of different guys, a lot of different outfielders mm-hmm. that you could have moved this offseason. And Kerry, my initial thought was, these three moves to get a two and then a couple of other back-of-the-rotation guys are really solid moves. But I am of the belief that the Cardinals still need to go get a number one. So that's where I would come down if they did not make another move for another starting pitcher. Yeah, I told you, wait and see. And so if this is the the method that they're going to stick with, this is the only additions that we're going to have all offseason in terms of the starting rotation, then, yeah, I, I, Greg is probably correct. It, it will be to get you to the point of the trade deadline. And now you make a trade for one of those aces, which I, I'm not really a fan of that process because it's kind of saying, well, it, it, they're taking a wait-and-see approach. We'll see how well we perform. And if we make it to the trade deadline and are in striking distance, then, yeah, we'll strike. But if not, then cool. We'll just stand pat and, mm-hmm. and do what we've been doing all season long. And I don't think that that, to me, is not a winner's mindset. A winner's mindset is going out and getting guys that are going to add to your, your, your roster and add to your starting pitching rotation and go out and win the division from day one, and that's your mindset. It's being reactive rather than proactive, right? Yeah. And it seems like it's the same formula. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it feel kind of like the same formula that they have been approaching going into each season of kind of putting together a team that's good enough to get you to the trade deadline? And that approach didn't work this didn't past work season. Last year. Here's another question. If you have a starting outfield of Lars Newbar, Tommy Edmond, and Jordan Walker, why do you need... Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson, and Alec Burleson that all was on your my, team. That's what I'm saying. I'm very confused yeah. about that. Yeah, why, you, why not? You've got to call the herd, as it were, uh, to because they need to not give choices. They, they just need to play guys. They, they don't need to try to play the matchup game. Just the manager needs to be able to put a lineup up, and then sit in the dugout with his arms folded and let him play. Well, you you let guys be who they are. Yeah. I mean, you you allow guys to be the player that they are supposed to be in, and figure things out. Uh, you you I I get all the matches. Oh, we don't want him batting against left-handers. Oh, well, he's never going to be good against lefties if you don't bat him against mm-hmm. lefties. That's kind of how that works. So you just have to. I, I love the Atlanta Braves mindset. 
we're going to play these guys 140 games, 135 games at the same position every single day. They know where they're going to be batting in the lineup. They know where they're going to be playing on the field. There's a familiarity. There's a comfortableness of playing second base when you know who your shortstop is and how he ranges and how he gets to the ball and how I can flip it to him. He's going to be as opposed to somebody that maybe I only played 15 games with as opposed to 100 games with. Those things matter. And so, same thing in the outfield. I know this guy can get to this ball if I'm unable to. So, you just being comfortable with who you're playing with and where they're playing every single day, I think it makes your team better. That is uh, Kerry Davis, and that is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Kerry, and Randy, and the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, joins us next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The Buffalo Sabres are in town tonight to take on the Blues. You'll hear the action here on 101 ESPN pregame at 6, action at 7, and you'll also... See and hear the game on Valley Sports. And Bernie Federico will be part of their coverage. The Hall of Famer joining us now here on 101 ESPN with Brooke and Kerry. I'm Randy. Bernie, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing great, thanks. Okay, so I'm old enough, as you are, to remember the French connection line with the Buffalo Sabres, which was Gilbert Perrault and uh, Rene Robert. And how did we pronounce it Richard Martin? When it, shouldn't it have been Richard Martin? <laughs> yes, it was Richard Martin. Okay. For whatever reason, he was French, I guess. So, so that's probably why. <laughs> yeah, but the, Buffalo has a great history, don't they? That, that franchise, especially with that group, that was a pretty fun team. Yes, it was. I mean, that was probably the, the, the team that had the best chance of trying to win it all, and they never did get to the, to the uh, promised land. But, uh, no, they were, they were, I mean, that was really the first game I played at the old arena was against the Buffalo Sabres. So it was the, I still have fond memories of, of, of playing against the, all those guys. And, yeah, through the years, I mean, they've had some struggles as of late, the Sabres. They've, what, they've not made the playoffs in the last 12 years now. So, uh, this is a much more improved team, though. He's got a lot of good young talent, so the Blues are going to have to be ready for for another tough one tonight. Bernie, we had a, a cut from Craig Berube earlier just talking about the mental aspect of the game uh, and guys fighting through, you know, everything. How, how important is it? We know the physical talent is there for anyone playing professional sports, but can you talk about the mental side of getting up, playing when you're tired, when you're sore, but having to go through that every single day and, and giving your best effort to be the best team you can be? Well, as a professional, that's what your job is to do, and I think everybody understands that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that physically everybody's in great shape because of practice, because you're playing in games. I mean, some of the guys I think maybe have a little more trouble with the physical part of it because they don't get to play a lot of uh, a lot of ice time during games. So really, in practices, they have to stay in much better condition because of that. But it's always been a mental game. I think uh, you know. Um, you have to go through the ups and downs and the challenges. I mean, it's, and you've got a job to do, and if if you're a scorer, you have to score. And if things aren't going well, you have to find and figure out a way uh, that you can get back scoring. And the same thing was checking is hard work. But, I mean, I think the game, every game is, is more mental than, than physical because I think you are in, in good physical condition. I think it's, your mind makes everything work as good as it is. And it's, it's really, um, as a professional, you just learn that's what you have to do. Bernie, what do you think about Jordan Kyrou's plays so far this season? I know that he's been kind of moved down to the third line. I don't know if that will still be the case tonight, but what have you thought of his plays so far? 
Well, he's not. He's been sporadic, I think, to say it best. I mean, he's had some good scoring chances. I mean, off the off the start of the season, I think he had a lot of really good scoring chances. I mean, I think he was using his speed a lot more. He was getting in the open, and unfortunately, the puck wasn't really going in the net for him. I think that as of late, I think he's uh, thinking too much. He's not skating as much as as he should. He's not using the speed that 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 he has. And, and again, that goes back to what Kerry just said about the mental side of it. I think that for him. I think he's got to just kind of relax. He's got to start doing the things that, that make him that natural goal scorer because you, you can't teach pet players how to be goal scorers. You either got it or you, you don't. And he certainly does have that skill. He shoots the puck very well, but he's got to start fighting some openings. And I think he's just going to start using his speed and relax a little bit. But certainly uh, he can't be happy with things. What the way, I mean, he's only scored in three games this year out of the 21. He only has four goals, and I think everybody expected him uh, to be somewhere around the 40-goal mark. So he's, he's got a lot of work to do, and, and hopefully that he can you know, just find that, that little niche. And, and you know, for the most goals, goal scorers are streaky. They get started, things start going in, and I think that uh, you start feeling better about yourself, and uh, then the pucks start really, really going into the net. Bernie Federico, that's an interesting comment about an individual that he needs to relax. Sometimes when you're not succeeding on the power play, does the same thing apply? Yes, absolutely, Randy. And I think that, that that's in their heads right now. I mean, um, you know, they did have some chances the other night. I mean, when you're down 2-1, to one, you get a four-minute power play. I mean, you've got to at least get some more pressure. I mean, they had decent pressure. They had, you know, one crossbar. I mean, Krug hit the crossbar. I mean, that very well could have gone in, and then all of a sudden it's a 2-2 game. But uh, to have only one shot on goal in four minutes of power play, I mean, that, that becomes something more of a, uh, you know, they're squeezing their their sticks too tight. I think they're trying to do make the perfect play instead of just throw the puck to the net and, and crash it and get get more guys. We've talked about that, you know, since the beginning of the year. You know, when you only have six power play goals in 21 games, you're not getting enough opportunities. And I think that's something that they once again relax. You know, let your instincts take over, but you got to get that puck to the front of the net more. I'm trying to figure out. Just we, we talked about the consistency or the inconsistency of this team. Is it is it just the mental part of it, just guys needing to go out there and do that every single day? Or what makes it hard to stay consistent for this team right now? Well, there's another team playing against you all the time. Mm. <laughs> I think more than anything else, Kerry. Uh, you know, you've got to be prepared for who your competition is. And I, and I it's not that they're not prepared, but I think that, uh, you know, sometimes you're, you you take a team for granted. If, you're, if the team's behind you, sometimes – uh, when there's a team, uh, you know, that's better than you, I think you, you, you really uh, concentrate more, and I think you're, you're more um, aware of what you have to do, and I think you're more up to what you – otherwise you're going to embarrass, get embarrassed if you don't play well. So I think it's uh, – for all of them, it's just trying to stay on the same page and, and, and be prepared. And, and, and it is, again, a mental thing right there is that you, you, know, you know what – I mean, the coaching staff, uh, you know, in, in the league with, with all the video and everything – you know what's what's coming. You know what what the other team is going to do. You know what they're all about. And I think that you just got to be much more prepared and as a team. And uh, I think it's just getting the flow going. I and mean, when you know when you're confident, when things are going well, one line goes after another and another. And it's just every shift kind of builds and builds. If you have a bad shift, someone you know picks it up for the next shift to make sure that something doesn't happen so you don't go to the slide. So I think it's just for this team. It's just, it's just they've, they've got to be a, more aware of what they need to do each on and every shift and. Uh, there's certainly enough talent on this team, and and when you've got goaltending as good as the Blues have, 
uh, you've got a chance each and every night. So it's just a matter of, of, of you know, putting some more consistency together. This team has had troubles when the opposing team scores first. Uh, are they aware? I know they're aware of it, but do you feel like they're pressing to get that first goal and to make sure that they're up so that they, that, so that they can win that game? Well, you know, that's such a weird stat. I mean, to be 10-0 and when you score first and you only one win when you don't score first. I mean, it's, it's it's just a weird stat, to be honest with you. I mean, I think every team tries to score first, but uh, I think in a situation, you got to say, hey, if you score first, it's, the game's not over. we can, we got to be able to come back. And I think that's uh, something that, that I think that's more of a stat than anything else. I don't think they're really – they're aware of, of it right now, but but I don't think they're going out there thinking, oh, if we don't get the, the first goal, we're not going to win the game. So it's just a matter of uh, that's that's something you can just throw away, and they just got to start playing the full 60 minutes and not worry what, about what the score is uh, you know, from the start of the game. Hey, Bernie, last thing. Patrick Kane signs with the Red Wings. You banged heads with the Red Wings for a lot of years before you got traded there, and obviously he did when they were in the same conference especially. What was that like for you, and what what, what advice would you give Patrick Kane to walk into that dressing room? Well, you know, Patrick Kane is, uh, has obviously you know been around an awful long time. I mean, uh, he had his choice too. I mean, uh, I think that's the one thing is when when you're a free agent and you, you make your decision based on what what kind of team you want to go to. I think he's he's made his decision and he'll be accepted obviously very well in that locker room. I mean, the Wings are playing very well. They're they've got a good young team as well, and so I think he feels that he's really a piece that can fit in. So, um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is that when you go with somewhere else, I mean, I'm. And he just went through that going from Chicago to uh, the Rangers last year. You know, you're, you're, you become an outsider that's going coming. So you're, you're a new person in the locker room. And I think you're, you're, it's just like almost being a rookie again. You kind of sit back and, and, and see what's going on and, 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 you know, do your job on the ice, but uh, you really don't have much else until you really kind of get used to what, what the guys are all about and, and you know, what their leadership group is all about. But, uh, you know, he's a professional he's been around and I think he's going to add some real great talent to that hockey club. So, uh, I was kind of surprised that he went to Detroit. I thought he would have went to a team that really had the more chance. I mean, I don't know if the Wings can say if they're really a contender right now. Uh, but, I mean, when you read that, the, you know, Toronto was interested in him, so was Florida. Uh, I was surprised that he didn't go to a team that maybe would, would you know, give them a, really another chance to win another cup. But uh, he's certainly going to help the, the Wings, and I'm sure that they'll be very happy to have him as part of the roster. Bernie Federico, we always love talking to you. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll be tuned in tonight for the Blues and the Sabres. Thanks, guys. You guys have a great day. Take care. That is the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight. Uh, Bradford, do you need a fight or do you already got one? Actually, Kyle has embraced the challenge. He's ready for you. All right, like that. Kyle will join us in the fight next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. Hey, uh, whoa! Did you forget about me for a second? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you looked at me 
You looked at me like, it's the first time you've seen me, Carrie. What it happened? Was my bad. <laughs> got, got thrown off by the joy uh, by. <laughs> it's like I was like a ghost that just appeared in front of you. <laughs> the fear Rick, in your face. <laughs> Tim Greeper. Oh, uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, and it is time for the fight. Our fighter today is Kyle. Kyle, how you doing? I'm good, Carrie. How are you? I'm okay. My brain went completely blank for about two seconds. That was interesting. Yeah, it's okay. Somebody <laughs> called me other on Monday, so it's fine. Oh, no. It's fine. Not the other. <laughs> All right, Kyle, you ready to take on Randy Carricker? I am. All right, here we go. Tonight's Blues opponent, Buffalo, hasn't made the Stanley Cup final since 1999. Named the head coach of that team, which fell to Brett Hull's stars in six games. Was it Ted Nolan, Paul Maurice, or Lindy Ruff? Um, Lindy Ruff. Later this morning, Tiger Woods will tee up in the first round of the Hero World Challenge. Tiger's first PGA Tour victory came in 1996 when he notched a playoff win at the Las Vegas Invitational. The golfer who fell to Woods would go on to be a U.S. Ryder captain. His name, please. Is it Fred Couples, Davis Love III, or Jim Furyk? Uh, David Love III. Lance Lynn posted an 18-7 record en route to earning an all-star nod for the 2012 Cardinals, but what starter led the staff with a 2.86 ERA and won 13 games? Was it Adam Wainwright, Jaime Garcia, or Kyle Loesch? Kyle Loesch. Final question. Kurt Warner finished his NFL career in the Valley of the Sun. How many seasons did number 13 play for the Cardinals? Was it three, five, or six? I'm sorry, Brooke. I, I you were cutting in out really bad. Uh, can you repeat that? Yeah, Kurt Warner finished his NFL career in the Valley of the Sun. How many seasons did number thirteen play for the Cardinals? Was it three, five, or six? Uh, I think it was three. All right, we're gonna check our math. Make sure we are all on the same page. <laughs> and all right, how you feel, Kyle? Uh, not great. Not great. No. Okay. I said a little, little troubling. The question's a little more difficult on the radio as opposed to just listening in, in the car. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It happens. I mean, you know, we'll see. Randy is uh, Randy has been pretty good this week. He's uh, he's gone four for four both days that he's I've been. He's been on his eight game. Tuesday and Wednesday. I might have just jinxed him. Do you believe in jinxes, Randy? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blues fan. <laughs> Do you believe in like the kicker oh, misses yes, the I kick do. right before the, the announcer says he's 25 oh, or totally, 25? Totally. And then he yeah. blows it. Okay. Well, maybe uh, I, I did. I that. totally. I, if I did, yeah, I, I I've told you that for game seven of the Stanley Cup finals, I, I the game ended with me having my leg completely oh, yeah. asleep <laughs> because I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't move. Uh, after the first period, I was in this position on a, on a chase lounge, you know, couch in our, in our family room, and I would not move my leg because I was convinced that if I did, something bad would happen. Well, so, uh, hopefully, nothing bad happened. Here. Randy, say hello to Kyle. Kyle, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you? Doing great. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. All right, Randy, here we uh, go. No All right. Tonight's Blues opponent, Buffalo, hasn't made the Stanley Cup final since 1999. Named the head coach of that team, which failed to Brett Hull's stars in six games. Uh, that would have been, I believe, Dominic Hoshik between the pipes and Lindy Ruff, the coach of that squad, I think. I'm going to go with Lindy Ruff. Ruff.
Later this morning, Tiger Woods will tee up in the first round of the Hero World Challenge. Tiger's first PGA Tour victory came in 1996 when he notched a playoff win at the Las Vegas Invitational. The golfer who fell to Woods would go on to be the U.S. Ryder Cup captain. His name, please. Uh, Brooke, I think I know this one, but I'm going to do the lifeline just to make sure. Fred Couples? Nope. Davis Love the Third? Yep. Or Jim Furyk? I'm going to go with Davis Love the Third, please. All right, Randy. Lance Lynn posted an 18-7 and record en route to earning an all-star nod for the 2012 Cardinals, but what starter led the staff with a 2.86 ERA and won 13 games? 2012. Um, well, Wayno would have been back because he was hurt in 11. Carp was not good at all. In fact, that was his last year, 2012. Um, and I don't think Adam was great. Who else did you have on that staff? Um, you know, I, I'll 13 games coming off of Tommy John. I'll go with Adam Wainwright. Kurt Warner finished his NFL career in the Valley of the Sun. How many seasons did number 13 play for the Cardinals? Well, let's see. Brooke, his last year in St. Louis was 2003. Isn't that amazing? 20 years ago. Uh, then he played one year for the New York football Giants, 2004. Then he goes to join the Cardinals for 05, 06, 07, 08, and then 09 when he got the concussion and Brenda said no mas. Uh, which also was the year, by the way, he got hit, the concussion, Bounty Gate by the Saints. Uh, so it was five that he played in the Valley of the Sun. Alrighty. Pretty and interesting stuff, right? Yes, it is. We have a tie. Hey, how about oh. that? How about that, Carrie? How about that? It's you. All right, Randy, you remember the rules. You're going to mm-hmm. write down your answer on your piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Kyle, you will wait till Randy writes down his answer, and then you will give your answer audibly, and then we will uh, see who came closest to the pen. Let me find a pen that works here first. Oh, oh I got one that works. Important. Okay, we're good. All right, all right, closest ready. to the pen with so, a working pen. Randy's going to write his answer down mm-hmm. first, and then you are going to give her your answer, Kyle. Okay? Okay. All right. Brett Hull remains the Blues' all-time leader for goals in a single season. How many times did Hully light the lamp in his his, his historic 1990-91 campaign? Oh, okay. Randy's got his answer. Kyle, what is your answer? Uh. I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Brett Hull remains the Blues' all-time leader for goals in a single season. How many times did Hully light the lamp in his historic 91, 90-91 season? Uh, 54. All right. Got a little quick math here. Mm. Randy, would you show your answer, please? Uh, my answer is 86, Kerry. 86. 86 Kyle, you had 54. The answer is actually 86 on the nose. Randy, you uh, got it. Wow. More than any other winger has ever scored in a season in NHL history. Shall we make it official? Yes. The winner and still champion of the fight, (laughs) Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. What about? <laughs> Good job. Tremendous stuff today. Kyle brought the heat from Afton. Let's review <laughs> these results, shall we? So, Randy, on the heels of back-to-back days with four 
questions answered correctly from the top today. Tonight, the Blues obviously taking on the Sabres at Enterprise Center. The last Sabres team, this has only happened twice in franchise history to have made the Stanley Cup final. That was the 98-99 version. Head coach was Lindy Ruff. Ted Nolan was a choice. Actually had two separate successful stints in Buffalo, but it was Lindy Ruff. In a matter of hours, Tiger Woods teeing it up in round number one of the Hero World Challenge all the way back in 1996 when the event was called the Las Vegas Invitational. Tiger took down none other than Davis Love III in what was, interestingly, Randy, a 90-hole event at yeah, the time. Yeah, wild? Nine and he zero. walked the whole time. Exactly. How about that? <laughs> number three, Lance Lynn back in 2012. He was 18-7. and seven. He was an all-star for the Redbirds. The starter, however, who actually paced the that rotation, 2.86 ERA, 13 games, winning percentage off the top of my head of about 850 that season was Kyle Loesch. Mm. Kyle Loesch that season. And finally, Kurt Warner finishing his NFL career with the Arizona Cardinals after the one ill-fated season with Eli Manning and the New York Football Giants. Number 13 ended up spending five seasons all told with Arizona, but it of course had to go to the tiebreaker. And in 1990, 1991, holy potted the insane total of 86 goals that year for the note. One of the best, most prolific single seasons in NHL history. Randy wins in a tiebreaker, but Kyle, phenomenal job today. Very much appreciate your listening. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Uh, one of the things about that season that Kurt played with the Giants, you've referred to it as ill-fated. It was ill-fated for him, and the Giants had to play Eli Manning, and they did the right thing because he won a couple of Super Bowls for them. But when they benched Kurt, he, they were 5-4, and four, and they mm-hmm. were in a playoff position when they benched him, and uh, they finally decided, oh, we didn't expect this to happen, but we got to play the other guy. Yeah. we got to play Manning, and that's what happened to Kurt, and that's one of the reasons that the Cardinals had the interest in him that they did. Yeah, and, I thought his career was going to be done after he left the Giants. I, I thought I think a lot of people yeah. were were kind of on that fence, and then you know took him to the Super Bowl. And the Arizona thing puts him over the top. Yep, for after, the Hall of Fame. After yep. one season, he usurps one Matt Leinart. Yep, yeah, Leinart got hurt here, game here in St. Oh, Louis. Matty. Yep, he's still got TV going for him he's though. Doing well, he's all right. Yeah, he's he's fine. <laughs> okay. I, I miss Reggie Bush on that Fox show, although two times a year I see oh. it. He's got Mark, <laughs> two times yeah, Mark Ingram is on it, and he's pretty good. Yeah, but I, and I love when they, when Michigan plays and they have Charles Woodson on. <laughs> he's he's terrific. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, every college fan base thinks they don't have scumbags, but is there a school that doesn't? Harvard. Yeah. Uh, well, wait, maybe. that's oh yeah. We'll see. It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. As we were preparing today's show yesterday, after yesterday's show, uh, Brooke was online and checking out a social media piece about annoying college sports fans. And specifically, you ran into a piece... uh, with one of our guests last week, right? Mm-hmm. And a Mizzou fan. It was, uh, well, yes. So, John Neighbors, we had him on last week. Carrie, Not you Jim missed. Uh, no, no. 
John. Gomer Pyle. (laughs) So, Carrie, you weren't here for this. We had John Neighbors on. He was, do you remember that Arkansas reporter at the beginning of the season that said that Arkansas football has always been better than Mizzou, but Mizzou somehow wins? So we had him on. He was a little salty. We were just kind of hyping up the rivalry (laughs) between Arkansas and Mizzou. That didn't go well for Arkansas. So he was in a Twitter battle with another Mizzou fan yesterday, and they were going back and forth on who had the fan base with the most scumbags. So this prompted the idea in my head of, is there any, and I asked you guys this, is there any college football fan base that doesn't have scumbags in it? And now, don't take this personally when you hear me say this. Mm-hmm. I think that we can all attest that every fan base has a group of people, maybe they live on message boards, that are not exactly what you would consider the best fans. Yes, they support the sport, but they might be a little volatile online. So I, I said yesterday, I, I, Illinois doesn't have scumbag fans. And and my reason for saying that is we don't win enough. So <laughs> when you don't win at an elite level, you really can't be scumbags, <laughs> can you? Well, you can like, think it, you're better than you really are. But or do you? Well, we do at Mizzou a lot. Uh, those, that's why I get so bothered by Mizzou fans, because there's a little bit of delusion there. The, at Illinois, we have not been good for years. We understand. We've had some really good years, and then we had some really down years. And so we understand that, you know, it, it, it comes with the territory. So there's no need to be a jerk about it. At all. <laughs> no. And I, I want some people to text in because maybe, I'm sure a lot of people go and they go to different college football games. Is there a fan base that maybe you encountered or if you have interacted on social media where you're like, this is a really nice, reasonable, not irrational college football fan base? Okay, so let me tell you about my SEC experience. I've gone to games in, uh, I've never been to Tennessee. I, I've gone to games in Georgia, L, uh, Georgia, LSU. Bama, one other, and I've always been treated well, and I think it's because what's going to happen when Missouri goes to LSU or Alabama or Georgia? Beat the hell out of them. Exactly. So those people are really, they almost like feel sorry for us. As <laughs> we're wearing our Mizzou gear. Like, so they're oh, really nice. so cute. Yeah. Look at now, them drove all the way down here. Yeah. <laughs> I, they, that's exactly, that's what they did. Hey, would you like a beer and a hot dog? Enjoy the tailgate. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I, I, I partook, and the Cajun food was great down in Baton Rouge. But I just assumed, and you guys debunked my thought immediately. I just assumed the BYU fans would not have scumbags. Yeah, no, I don't think any time religion, and and you you go to a certain level of man, and I'm sure there is okay. some finger pointing and some some stares that take place. From some of those, uh, some of those organizations, some of those teams, and I'm sure we have some Mormon listeners this morning, not having coffee right now, but still some <laughs> listeners this morning. And wow. have you seen those videos? I know that you like TikTok, CD. Have you seen those videos on TikTok where they go around the campus at BYU and they ask some of the students questions of like, "Would you rather do this or this? Drink coffee or have like a loved one die?" And oh. they're like, "It's very drastic things that involve maybe some what? very strict Mormons, no. but it, it's just a very interesting." Interesting conversation. I seen them. You said Harvard maybe doesn't have any scumbag I'm fans. Sure they do. Vandy because they really yeah. uh, they are in the same boat as Illinois. You know, yes, you know, yes. Win some, you lose some, you lose some. So you lose some more. I found a what, what <laughs> we, were we you saying, Randy? A, te- a text. Uh, <laughs> this one's from three one four. Carrie, I went to Illinois. Full of scumb- scumbags. Most of the student body is from Chicago land. Ah, scumbags. Oh. Three one four, you you might got me there. Gotcha. <laughs> so I also found this article article by Barstool Sports where they recently put out the ten most annoying 
fan bases in the country. What do you guys think? Is this is just this college football or yes. is this um, college football? Michigan is 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 in the top three. Michigan has Michigan oh, football. Michigan man, all oh of that stuff. Oh my god, those people are. I'm going to go Notre Dame. I think I would say Notre Dame is up there as well. They still think they're great. Yeah, they do. They're they're delusional as okay, well. Okay, give me one more. Um, Michigan. I want to say one of these SEC teams. It's probably. It's probably Alabama. I think it's got to be a blue blood. Initially, I would think just because of the way that they act, it would be Texas A and M. That was on there as well. Yeah, but I'm going to uh, I'm going to go Ohio State. Mm. Really? Yeah. You know, after Ryan Day loses to Michigan, he the guy is what he's sixty four and five. Yeah, and he loses to Michigan, and they say they got to fire the coach. Yeah, you're rid of him. Eh, well, three of those losses are two Michigan. Okay, so, you know. so I don't know exactly how this polling worked. Maybe they asked some of their fans, but number one, Michigan. <laughs> there you go. Number two, Oklahoma. Boomer oh, Sooner. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, number three. This hurts me. Tennessee. Not a surprise. Wow. That's based on the Shiano thing. <laughs> and. Well, and all the other stuff we listed yeah, yesterday, yeah. Cosmo Martin, Lane Kiffin. Uh, there's well, been a, yeah. several things that have happened. Number four, Clemson. Five, uh-huh. Georgia. And George, Clemson's probably, their coach probably enacts a yeah. lot of the activity there. Yeah. And Georgia five? Yes. I, have, I found Georgia people to be very nice. Florida State, six. Okay. Texas A&M, seven. Okay. Penn yeah. State, eight. Mm-hmm. Auburn, nine. Mm-hmm. Ten, Notre Dame. Okay. Oh. Alabama wasn't on there, huh? Alabama, this is where I, something has to be rigged because Alabama exactly. should be on there because Alabama has a history. And you know what else is interesting about Alabama? Is that more than 50% of their season ticket holders aren't graduates of the University of Alabama. Really? What? They're bandwagon jumpers. They mm. And they live in Alabama, but that's that's their team. But, well, I don't know, maybe 50% of the people in the state didn't graduate. Randy! Hey. Randy. Brandy. I'm just I saying. mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> but they, they're, they're good football fans. They, they, oh, they show up for the first three quarters. <laughs> well, okay, they show up to the, from the middle of the first to the end of the third. <laughs> oh, Did you man. have a story about Alabama football that you were talking about before we were going in? What was it? Um, no, they were they were fine down there. They were, you talking about the trees from? Oh, uh, that uh, the, oh, the Harvey Updike. Uh, yes, yeah, yes. Harvey, Harvey Updike, the guy, the Alabama fan who went and poisoned the iconic old oak trees at Toomer's Corner at Auburn, and then calls into Paul Feinbaum's show and says, "Yeah, I poisoned him," and then gets caught and, and has to go to jail. jail. Wow. It didn't yeah. go over how he thought it would go over. Uh, no, uh-uh. yeah, a, you, you're going too far in the rivalry, buddy. Yeah. That's ridiculous. They are oak trees, right? Was that correct? Damn yeah, ridiculous. oak trees. Yeah, he killed a couple of oak trees. Killed them. Like they had been there yeah. for hundreds yeah. of years, right. right? That's an Alabama fan. There's a I great see. book called <laughs> Rammer Jammer Yellow Hammer. It's been out for a while, and that's one of the phrases at Alabama. And it tells stories. It's a, The author <laughs> embedded himself for a season with Alabama fans. And one couple of Alabama fans, they missed their daughter's wedding to go to the Alabama game, <laughs> but then they justified it by saying, we made it to the reception. <laughs> what? Yep. There's no Hardcore. way that's real. Yeah. This guy, Their daughter's wedding? Yep. This guy bought a camper and traveled all around with Alabama fans, home and road, uh, and it's a great book. Yeah, but that was one of the stories. Isn't that great? That's crazy. Wow. I, I don't know if you're more upset at your child for having the wedding on that's true. Good game point. Day. Good point. Like we, we, you know who we are, right? Yeah. Are they paying you for the know, wedding? I, mean, I don't know. 
If I'm paying for it, we're definitely going to do it on the... You know. <laughs> it's not happening during football season. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, when's, when's, when's the bye week? Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Having the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy, it's 9.05. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Greg Amzinger joined us earlier today. You'll be able to hear that interview and more on our Dobbs Tire and Auto Center podcast. That'll be up on 101 ESPN and on the 101 ESPN app after the show. But one of the things Greg Amzinger talked about this morning was the Cardinals perhaps making another move next week at the winter meetings in Nashville. Is that a possibility? The trades will happen around the deadline. I think this is a team that's going to try to, they've got a small window to strike based on the stars that are in their lineup that they're paying a lot of money. And, you know, they want to make Nolan Arenado happy. Like, hey, no, this is not a 71-win team. This is not what we do each and every year. We're going for it. We're all in. And they're going to try to be in the mix to win the division, which I think they will be. I think they're going to sign one more starter who could be a hybrid guy. So think Sean Manaya, Think Alex Wood. Think somebody that you can sign, get into spring training. If all things work out, you got a long man in the bullpen, okay? If everyone's healthy that you've already signed. They're going to need to add length because I mean, we love the young left-handers the Cardinals already have in the organization. But to assume five starters all in their 30s are going to hold up and be healthy all the way from opening day to the end of the year, it's just not, it's not realistic. So I think there will be another free agent signing, another one-year deal. Uh, and I, I don't think that Dylan sees things in play anymore. I don't think Corbin Burns was ever in options. So the big trades for the Cardinals, I don't think are going to happen this offseason. That's Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. Brooke, you have some later news, at least uh, thought from Kenny Rosenthal. So Ken Rosenthal just put out an article recently this morning where he talked about that, of course, the Dylan Cease market is really heating up. And the Cardinals remain interested. So if you pair that with what Greg Amsinger said, I was kind of shocked by what Greg said because I kind of thought with everything going on with Sonny Gray's contract that we saw revealed here the other day and we discussed that, that this would really free up an opportunity to be even more competitive in this Dylan Cease market of getting him here. Obviously, what that trade package will look like, we don't know because we don't know what exactly the White Sox would value in that with the Cardinals, but I assume that it could be a big name, a couple of big names. But still, I'm just kind of shocked that they would be not making any more moves because you have so many guys available, especially those outfielders. And Carrie, you've said this all season, letting those players build up some consistency. Mm -hmm. Are they going to trot out Tyler O'Neill back in left field? Are they going to have Dylan Carlson and Tommy Edmond both be center fielders again and move guys around, move pieces? That seems like the same formula that you've been using. And that hasn't exactly panned out. So I would be very surprised. And I hope that that's not the case that they're not going to make any trades this offseason. Yeah, I think that the best solution for them would be they got the three starters that they said they needed. Um, you got guys that can eat up innings, guys that are can be at the top of your rotation, but I don't know that they still don't want or don't need that true number one starter. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Cease, for me, would be that guy. I think that you have more than enough to, to trade for him. You talked about Tyler Glass now. I don't think that... With his injury history, that's something that you want to uh, be a part of. But 
I think Dylan Cease would be your true number one. And I think they have enough pieces right now. And he's not going to cost a lot of money, which is also uh, part of that that big picture as well. So I, I think that they are still in the in the in the workings of trying to get something. I would hope that they are still in the workings of trying to get something done in that regard. And there are a couple of American League teams with apparently pitchers to trade and needs offensively, specifically the Blue Jays and the Mariners. The idea of a, a Dylan Carlson for Alec Manoa trade has already been broached in Toronto. And Logan Gilbert's name came up at the dread deadline last year. Well, now there are uh, a few spots, a few bats that the uh, uh, the Mariners have gotten rid of. Eugenio Suarez, the most notable of them, that would seem to open up the possibility of them, especially if they sign Blake Snell, trading a starting pitcher to kind of replenish their their offense in Seattle. I, I would just be really surprised. I think that, well, how would you feel about this offseason as a whole? Say this was it. That, of course, maybe they'll address some of the bullpen and they might sign a hybrid guy like Greg said. How would you feel about if this was just it for the offseason? I would think that the, that would look like an 81 and 81 team to me. I, I probably agree, but that's how many more wins than last year? Yeah, it's 10 more. 10, it's 10 more. I guess it's a step in the right direction. more wins than you had well, last season. And one of the things that Greg mentioned, and I'm, I'm completely in agreement with Greg here, I don't think that when you have a starting rotation that averages, averages 35 years of age, I don't think you can expect them to pitch well and all the time for six months, not the whole group. Well, and that's been kind of like the concern and formula the Cardinals have used, right, the past few seasons here recently, mm-hmm. is do enough to kind of maybe win the division, say atop of the division, and get you to just at least the trade deadline. That sounds like being more reactive rather than proactive, and I was just hoping for maybe something different. Time will tell. There is still time for them yeah. to make some trades here. But I was just a little surprised to hear Greg say that this now, morning. Another thing we need to point out is that when the Cardinals have made moves in 22 and 21, when they made moves at the deadline, they took off. They did. happened Lester, yes. they took off. Montgomery mm-hmm. and Quintana, they took off. So maybe that is the formula. Don't spend all the money for the first four months of the season. Just spend money in the last two months Wait of the and season. See. Yep, yep. Set yourself up to be in position to make that move, but then it better work. Yes. Well, it needs to work like how it worked for the Rangers with Jordan Montgomery, right? Yeah, exactly. That would be the ultimate yeah. prize well, there if well, you can if you can figure that out. That's kind of what I think Greg was saying in terms of what the Cardinals would be doing, waiting till the trade deadline, linger, hang around. The the mm-hmm. the Rangers were fighting with the Astros all season, uh, trying to win that division, and so just kind of lingering around, hanging around, and at the trade deadline, go and get you a couple of guys. Uh, like they did, that that really allowed them and helped them win a uh, World Series. And I respectfully, you guys know how much I respect Greg, I respectfully disagree with him in his thought that he's comfortable with Gray pitching game one of a playoff series because I don't want to put 12 outs on my bullpen. I, I want to get seven innings of shutout or one-run ball when I pitch game one against Strider or Wheeler or a healthy Walker Bueller or... Darvish or whomever it might be, I want an absolute stud. And uh, I I love Sonny Gray as a number two. I just don't think that he is that guy. Well, the, the Cardinals Except, also, But he's got the sweeper now. Yeah, there you go. The Cardinals also sh- can't be done, right? They still have to add to the bullpen. bullpen. That that would be some of the expectation that they're going to add there. So they, they're not done, I don't think, completely with, you know, getting this, this, this uh, Cardinals 
pitching together. I think they still got some work to do. As far as hitters go, I don't know that there'll be any additions there, but probably some subtractions at some point. But the uh, the, the the bullpen needs to continue to get better. There's your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we'll talk a little more Cardinal baseball and the holiday season. Benji Molina, the Cardinals' Spanish-language analyst, has a great event coming up on Saturday, a toy drive. And we're going to have Benji in studio to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Rook Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And Cardinals Spanish-language broadcaster Benji Molina is in town, and he's got a toy drive coming up on Saturday at 9640 Olive in Olivet, where the DMV is. And Benji will be there from 10 to noon. He'll be signing autographs, taking pictures with anyone who brings a new unwrapped toy. Anyone who donates a toy can also enter to win special prizes. And it's great to have Benji Molina in studio with us. Good to see you, sir. How are you doing? Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys for having me on this show. Um, this This is a... Really cool, cool thing to do. Well, we're excited to have you, and thanks for what you're doing for the community. We know that you do a ton of community stuff, but this is so cool. How did you get involved in in doing the toy drive? Well, the first the first thing was Ben Boy came to me and said, "Why don't we do our own toy drive and help out more kids?" And it kind of got stuck in my head. I was like, I did one in Anaheim when I was with the Angels, and it was very, very successful. Mm-hmm. And we help out so many kids. Um, in this case. Sweet Celebration is going to be in charge of that one. So these kids will have a, a rap toy with their name on it. These are homeless shelters, mm-hmm. man. It's really, we all know and we all know, understand how hard they have it. So for me to get back, for me to to do this and, and help out, put some smiles on these kids' faces is the best. I think it's very emotional. It touched my heart. And, and it's really, really cool. And we'll re- repeat this, but Sweet Celebrations is the name of the charity. If you aren't able to make it on Saturday or if you aren't in town, Sweet Celebrations has an Amazon wish list so that you can provide a toy for a kid, that too. Is, that is a lot easier. You know, yeah. if, if you are not here, I mean, we would love to see you guys out there and and give you a hug and thank you for, for bringing this toy. But if you can't, that, that's a very, very good way to do it. That's awesome. I think being a former professional athlete, as professional athletes, that's kind of our our goal in life is to give back to those that are less fortunate and that you're doing that is awesome. It does touch you, you know, people that can't do anything for you, but you're able to do something so special for them. I think it always is a is a um, remarkable thing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. It really is. I think as long as as we keep helping people, I think the St. Louis area mm-hmm. overall, Cardinal Nation, was really nice to my brother. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm here now. I coached one year with them in 13, but I'm, uh, I'm here on my eighth year with them. Mm-hmm. Makes it a lot easier. But having, having the Cardinals being so great to Yadi all these years and make it at home for him, it's time for me to, to get back to the community. It's awesome. So you brought up your brother. Obviously, he's been in the news a lot lately about whether or not he's going to come back and be a part of this Cardinal staff. Do you have any insider information for us? Will he be in a Cardinal uniform in 2024? Um, selfish. Yeah. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, it's, that one is it's really tough. I think, Yadi, this has only been one year retired. Yeah. 
and he had so many things to do. He's he's been with his his son Yanu. Mm-hmm. It's fifteen, and he's managing his team. He's managing in Puerto Rico right now. Yadi is, and and I think if we see him in twenty four, it might be something like at times. You know, okay. he'll come at times and talk to the players, talk mm-hmm. to coaches, hang out, mm-hmm. see the environment, uh, get his feet wet. But I I think we might see him more in twenty five. You know, gotcha. after the next year. Okay. So it seems like it, with what you're saying, Benji, is that it's more about the time. I'm like peeking over you over on the screens over here. I, I so see short, you. Man. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sitting. But uh, yeah, it seems like it's more about timing with the audio this year. But Yanni, does he want to be maybe a manager or be a part of any? I'm sure the Cardinals would be fantastic, but any organization moving forward? Oh, yeah. He wants to be a manager. We saw it the year that he retired. He only spent three days. Uh, being retired, he was already managing in Venezuela. <laughs> so that tells you how, how fired up he is to manage. Then he did the baseball classic. He had a lot of success there, too. Um, now he's doing the uh, the Puerto Rican League in winter, having a lot of success out there. So I don't know. I, I just don't want to see him away from Carnal Nation <laughs> managing against us or something. So... Uh, but I'm being selfish, of course, being his brother. I want to see him more, and uh, I hope he does. I hope he does because he has such a great mind. And he always put a good group around him. He, I don't think he's – I really do think that he's very smart, you know, because uh, you can tell that he's a very smart guy playing and, and, and managing, but you need to have a good group around mm-hmm. you. To be successful. So I think he's very smart about it. Benji Molina has a toy drive coming up at 314 Sports Cards in Olivet on Saturday from 10 to noon. Same plaza as the DMV. Please bring by a toy. And the hot toys this year, by the way, are Legos and Hot Wheels and Barbies, Disney princesses, remote control cars, whatever you can find. Uh, Benji, as you you mentioned, you coached and you broadcast. We as fans, I think, kind of got spoiled by Yachty behind the plate. We just expected it. He's going to be there. But I it, I was listening to an interview with Miles Michaelis yesterday, and he said, you know, it was so different because I never had to think when Yachty was <laughs> catching. He said, and then all of a sudden everything changes. You get to spring training after the World Baseball Classic, and all of a sudden, nothing against Wilson Contreras, but Yachty just guided me. And, and you saw that. You knew it as a catcher. But what was different about Yachty as a player behind the plate? Oh, wow. One of the things that's different about him is that he cares. Uh, through my career, I saw many catchers that did not care about the pitching, and they were just doing a job. They were just calling numbers out there, trying to win a game. If they win, they win. If they don't, they don't. So Yadi cares so much about these pitchers that uh, obviously took time. This is Yadi's routine, an hour, an hour and a half, watching videos of the other hitters. Uh, not only that, he has to watch of the pitcher because he has to hit. Mm-hmm. So this is hours on video, hours watching at home, um, thinking about the pitchers. He never wanted them to fail, of course. I mean, he wanted them to be uh, very, very successful. So I think that's the very, very different. Uh, and you might see some guys come out that care, but when I played, there was there was so very few that really, really care about the pitching. So I think that makes Yadi probably over the top. And you've seen it because you've been around the sport, and Kerry's seen it. We've we've seen it in sports. Some people are just naturals, right? Some people just have, they're, they're born to do it. And they I, I they got, separate themselves yeah, from yeah, the rest. Yeah. yeah, and he's that way, right? I think he, he is. 
Yeah. I think it is. Benji, you you, you retired uh, was almost ten, 15 years ago now, 12 years yeah. ago. Uh, what has changed in the game from when you were playing to what you see now from from these players? I I think a lot has changed, a lot of it. You know, uh, we did not depend on coaching. Mm-hmm. We depended on ourselves mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. We remember where we played. We remember where we played that guy. We remember when he was two strikes. We right. remember how to move, you know, different yeah. directions when, when, when the game was going on. We did it, you know, with a little help of the coaches. But we it was more about the players doing mm-hmm. it out there and the IQ was really high. Right. That's that's when I play. Right. So now it's ooh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> watching these games. Um, they're not but talent. Mm-hmm. They're not but players. That's not what I'm saying. They're really good, good talented players. But wow, that IQ mm-hmm. that I see from the top, I, I don't see it there as much as when we play. So it's very very different. The rules, the changing on the rules, would not fit good. <laughs> <laughs> with us back yeah. then because yeah. it was uh, I, I thought it was more personal game mm-hmm. it was more it meant more right. you know like like it is right now mm. yeah it could be also just not as much emphasis on fundamentals from those players too like you said the talent's there but sometimes it's just the extra stuff I wanted to ask you about because we've been talking about it a lot I'm sure as you've heard here as you were coming in we've been talking about the additions of Sonny Gray Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson what do you think of those guys coming in I um wow when when I saw the first two signings I when they when the Cardinals told everyone everyone that they were going to sign in one or two guys uh or maybe three guys a good uh number one starter mm-hmm. uh obviously nobody saw that Lance Lane was going to be signed nobody saw Kyle Gibson uh but when you sign Sonny Gray uh, obviously, it's a, it's a big step. You know, you have Sonny Grady. Hopefully, we got the old Michael S coming back. Mm-hmm. You have those two to anchor the the, the one and two. Uh, man, what can I say about the other guys? Lance had a really rough year last year, so he's gonna have that on his shoulder mm-hmm. and he's gonna want to do better. Um, I think it's I think it's good signing. If we can add up. One more guy to the rotation, it will be great. Right. But if if not, then uh, it'll be it'll be uh, it'll be fine. My my worries right now is the bullpen. Yeah, uh, maybe one body in the outfield that can hit more than twenty homers, mm-hmm. more than eighty IBI. Somebody that has done it and will do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never had, we didn't have that at last year. Not one guy from the outfield finished over twenty home runs or, or, or eighty RBIs mm-hmm. or anything like that. And, but the bullpen for me is the key. You win and you lose, as you guys know. Last year, uh, with one month to go, we were already thirty-two blown saves yes. or blown leads mm-hmm. late in the game. So I think that's the biggest. You imagine having Hader behind, and then Helsley earlier, mm-hmm. Gallegos doing good there. Uh, those guys will be amazing. Mm-hmm. So. Adding one piece, maybe two, to the bullpen, it will be the key. Benji Molina with us uh, for another minute or two. But uh, I, I don't know if you ever saw or heard, but Brooke does a podcast called Balk About It with Polo. Yes. And Brooke, yes. actually, she gets an opportunity to talk now and then. I know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> I don't you, do, know. you do it for every game. 
yeah, yeah. I got 81 games to handle him uh, out there in the booth. No, Paul is great. He's Paul awesome. Great. Paulo yeah. is so funny because yeah. we, we did the first couple of episodes of the podcast. He He's so nice. And he went back and listened. He was like, I need to let you talk a little bit more. And I was like, Paulo, you you're like the this. star of the show. You're the star of the show. It's fine. I'm just here to support you. Same thing. Yeah. yeah you got you to gotta, you gotta do the science of baseball. Make sure oh, you know man. this is it's your turn now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Benji, we're so happy that you are a part, uh, an important part of, of the St. Louis community. You and Polo doing great work with the, the Spanish broadcasts and bringing a new group of fans into Cardinal Nation. And then obviously Saturday, doing the toy drive to Benefit Suite celebration. Saturday, December 2nd, coming up at 314 Sports Cards 9640 Olive Boulevard in Olivet. And don't forget, Sweet Celebrations also has an Amazon wish list. So you can just go to Amazon and, and fill out that wish list as well. Thank you for doing that. Oh, no, thank you guys for for having me in your show this is very special like i said you know giving back to to a community that took care of family mm-hmm. took care of my brother for so many years now it's time he's over there busy i told him i said bro you're busy I'll take care of you when I'm here, you know, <laughs> Spanish and English. So yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> it's awesome. good. Thank you guys for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes, you see, I yeah, brought the Christmas, Christmas spirit. The yeah. And the strange and donuts. The shirt, the I'm shirt. actually hiding my haircut, by the way. By the way, uh, I saw you at the Mizzou uh, Memphis game. Did you have fun? Oh, it was amazing. i never been in a college football game. Really? Oh, that really? was my first one at wow. the Dome. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was so cool to see the band, mm-hmm. to see these cheerleaders, which is like 200 of them, <laughs> and then to see the game itself. Yeah. I never, I'm obviously watching a lot of NFL games, mm-hmm. and but, but the college, it's, you know, it, it's so cool. I yeah. love it. Ben, <laughs> Benny, Benny Boy got me over there and... That was one of the coolest things for real. And, and then hanging out outside with all that people. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was fun. It was super cool. Good. It was super cool. I loved it. Good. And good luck for Mizzou, too. You, you know, helped him. Yeah, you helped him. I have a cousin playing. He's the catcher. Oh, Jadier yeah, Hernandez. Remember that name? We will. Okay. Yes, great. he's a catcher for Mizzou Tigers okay. this year. Oh. Uh, and then Colbert Stockton has one. Another cousin catcher. It's Brian. But that, I don't remember exactly where Culver is. Mm-hmm. Somewhere Stockton. in Illinois, right? Yeah, Culver, so Culver, Stockton, it's, it's in Missouri. Missouri. Oh, Missouri? Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, so he's out there catching too. Awesome. Uh, so we got those two guys, and it's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Good. Thanks, Benji. We'll talk soon. Thank awesome. you. See you. Benji Molina again. 314 Sports Cards, 9640 Olive. And Benji will be there signing autographs, taking pictures between 10 and noon on Saturday. And this is the same plaza as the DMV and the little, the great little diner in Olivet. So head on over there and bring a toy with you and help out some of the homeless kids here in the St. Louis metro area. Coming up next, we're going to talk some blues hockey with Jeremy Rutherford on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Grimsley, Gary Davis, Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and Jeremy Rutherford has a new piece up at The Athletic. And I haven't had a chance to read the story, but it says a game day in the life of an NHL coach. 19 hours, five coffees, and a 6-5 barn burner with Blues Craig Berube. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford, we're getting ready to read this story. I just want to know who picked which side of the bed. 
<laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> I was waiting for that one there. You know, I think I, I got a text from Mike Russo, my colleague at the Athletic Cup in Minnesota. He said, I just picture you waking up with Chief at 630 in the morning uh, in the hotel room there. So, no, I, thankfully, that was not part of the assignment. There you go. <laughs> JR, what did you learn from those 19 hours uh, with the head coach of the St. Louis Blues spending that time? Did it did it? Interest you in coaching at all? It did not. It did not. It did not. And, uh, you know, Kerry, this is something that you've witnessed uh, for years, and now you're going through it uh, yourself. But I, I think the number one thing to me is that it just never stops, mm-hmm. right? Like the minute the minute that Craig Bruby wakes up at 6.30, he beats the alarm clock up, and, and then uh, he heads down to uh, breakfast. And what I learned uh, in talking to him is, he doesn't eat for the first half of the day, which you know some people do. The fasting route, you know, kind of common. But Craig Bruby told me that he goes about 15 or 16 hours without eating, so he skips breakfast and he waits until uh, the afternoon, probably about one or two o'clock after the morning skate, uh, before he uh, takes uh, partakes in lunch. But you know, the one thing is it never stops. So you know, after the morning meetings, the video session. Uh, then he's going out to address the media. Then he's talking to the players who were scratched and telling them what he wants to see more from them. Um, then he met his uncles for lunch in Arizona. And then you started all over again in the afternoon with more meetings and then eventually the game at 7 o'clock. This is a very, very interesting article. I'm kind of skimming through it right now, JR. But you mentioned the fasting that he likes to do. And I know that some players are kind of a little superstitious or a little stitious, as we like to say. Is there anything that Bruby has to do with his routine when it comes to a game day? No, he didn't get into any uh, superstitions. I'm trying to think along throughout the day there. Um, You know, just in addressing the media, Brooke, uh, Randy, you guys, we've been dealing with uh, Craig Bruby for a few years now in terms of, you know, how he answers questions, how he handles things. He he just, I think he's who he is. That's the biggest thing that I took uh, took away is, you know, he realizes there's an obligation to talk to the media. He understands the importance of communicating with players, as I mentioned, about why they're scratched and what he wants to see from them. And then, you know, during the intermissions, he talks about uh, his, his game plan and the approach to the game, and the Blues weren't necessarily following that in the first period, so he kind of got on them. But in the second period, second intermission, it's 5-5, five to five, if you guys recall that game against Arizona. And, and Craig Bruby according to Kevin Hayes, said he was pumping him up. You guys are playing great. Keep going. So I think the theme throughout everything that I talked about him throughout the day uh, was that he is who he is. He stays true to himself. I, I was going to say that I think the thing that would shock most people, most people think professional athletes just play. You know, you practice for a few hours and then you play the game. But there are so many meetings and so much information that is given. Were you able to sit in on any of those meetings or really get a, an understanding of how those meetings go uh, from coach to player? No, that wasn't part of it in terms of sitting in on the meetings, Carrie. but I, I can tell you this, and, and you're right, uh, there's so much thought that goes into the meetings, not only the, the planning of them, but then the execution of them. I remember in the morning, Craig Ruby told me, we're thinking about going with a pre-scout meeting and then saving the uh, power play penalty kill for later, but we'll decide that when we get to the rink. So even the day of a game, they're still talking about how they're going to uh, deliver the meetings, which order should they go in. And then at one point I asked him in the afternoon, I said, uh, you know, what are you going to say to the players? What are you going to do next? And he said, well, first I'm going to go in and, and shorten these clips because they got a short attention span and mm-hmm. these, these clips can't be too long or we're going to lose them. So I guess to me, um, in, in thinking about the meetings that you're asking about, 
uh, there was just so much planning and preparation and execution and how that they can deliver the message in the shortest amount of time so that they can keep the players' attention. I would think a, a game like they had on the day that you shadowed Baruby really has to, uh, number one, it thrills them, but then it's also, with all of the work that they put in, it's got to dismay them at the same time. You allow five goals, and uh, a team like Arizona, usually you're going to play a low-scoring game. So what was it like after that game? Yeah, it was pretty incredible. So you're right, Randy. Uh, you think you'd be kind of excited, 6-5 win. You know, I think what I've learned, and I think it's kind of changed in the 19 years I've covered the Blues, is it, it used to be you'd lament on it a little bit more, but now they just move on. They really do. The players and the coaches alike. I know you've talked about that on the air, Randy. Um, what I got from the coaches and, and, and the players is that Craig Bruby went into the locker room after the game, and he said, hey, guys, tomorrow, Thanksgiving, holiday off, enjoy your families. And then when we went to the airport and you board the plane, you're heading back to St. Louis for the three-hour flight, Craig Bruby, what's he doing? He's up in the front of the airplane watching video. They're going over the next opponent because they were going to have the day off uh, for Thanksgiving. They're already looking at Nashville, and obviously things didn't work out against Nashville. But to me, it's all about moving on and looking forward to that next game. Well, tonight the Blues will be facing off against the Sabres. Sadly, we won't be able to see Tage Thompson, but we were having this discussion at the very beginning of the show, JR. I mean, you would never want to go back on that trade with Tage Thompson that got you Ryan O'Reilly, right? Correct, yeah. And I've thrown that out on Twitter and people say, are you crazy? What are you thinking? Talking about uh, would you would you not do that trade? I think uh, 10 out of 10 people would. Uh, Doug Armstrong certainly would. It brought the Stanley Cup to St. Louis. It was time, it was beyond time for a Stanley Cup in St. Louis, and Ryan O'Reilly was obviously a a huge part of that. Even if Tage Thompson goes on to score 50 goals for the next 10 years for the Buffalo Sabres, that's a trade that you make. But he's turned out to be a fine player, and I think from a hockey perspective, and I've talked to Tage about this uh, for a story I wrote about this uh, several months ago, is that you want the trades to work out for both sides. I think even if you're a Blues fan, hey, all the best for Tage, all the best for Buffalo the Blues cherish this Stanley Cup, and it wouldn't have been possible without that trade. JR, great piece at The Athletic about uh, a day in the life of Craig Bruby. We congratulate you, and thank you for joining on us to talk about it. Have a great day. Enjoy the game tonight, and we will talk soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey, I was listening to the fight, and just real quick, I was praying, praying that Bradford would mess up a question Randy would lose by one, and then Rocchio would be listening, and, and Randy would say, it's okay, mistakes happen, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> JR. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. You are a funny yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, Jeremy. Take care. That's Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with the Grim. You can say it, CD. The Grim Report. Is next up. on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I want to rock! And roll. And Matthew Rocky is in here. Let's rock today. Yeah, we're going to rock. But we are going to bring you the the Grim Report. Yes, it is time. Well, guys, the college football transfer portal season is upon us. As we know, many players are assessing where they want to go to next, which begs the question, 
How much does the allure of NIL money have to do with their decision? Well, Nebraska head coach Matt Rule recently saying that if you want a good quarterback, it's going to cost you. Make no mistake that a good quarterback in the portal costs you know, a million to a million five to two million dollars right now. So just, just, just want to say paid, right? So let's, let's make sure we all understand what's happening. So, you know, there's some teams that have six, six or seven million dollar players playing for them. So... So if you could hear there, Matt Rule was saying that a good quarterback in the portal costs $1 million to $2 million. Now, Man, how do you guys feel about this? Is this, do you think, an accurate representation of how much it's going to cost to really get a good quarterback from the transfer portal? I think it is. Uh, I think I feel that Xavier Davis is going to be working on five-step drops when we get home today. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier, yep. you know it's cool. He's working on our yeah. drops. Well, look, windows. To, look at Caleb Williams. He says he doesn't need to come up for the draft if the team, if he he doesn't think that the teams at the top of the draft are worthy of being uh, go, going to for him. He can stay in school and make almost as much money as he would as a rookie in the NFL. So why leave? Yeah. Why would you need to leave? <clears throat> That's one of the things. It has made it for college football players. It, it, it really has been a good thing. I, mm-hmm. I, I know we get mad about the transfer portal. We get mad about young men getting paid millions of dollars or what the case may be. But the fact that you have now control over your own destiny. In, in, in Caleb Williams' situation, if the Chicago Bears have the number one overall pick or the New England Patriots have the number one overall pick and you say, ah, the hell, I don't want to play there, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stay in school for another year. And I can, I can allow myself – to hopefully reshuffle this draft order for the for the following season and be on a team that is much better or better suited for my style of play. So I think it's done a a really good job. And I don't really care about college programs complaining about how much money it's going to cost. Nebraska's made billions of dollars. It's, they aren't if they're following the rules, they aren't spending anything. But there you go. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's it's their boosters Correct. that are paying the NIL money. So, he can say, yeah, there's schools that have 7 million dollar players. Well, Caleb Williams he has an agent that got him a deal with Nissan, right? The Heisman house. He's yes. he's and he's doing multiple other ads. If you are a school, a program with a savvy fan base with a lot of money that's how players get paid it's not because money's coming out of the athletic department budget to pay players yeah no i didn't really see it as him necessarily complaining but maybe explaining to fans of what this is what this is like now because remember it reminds me of that comment that mark stoops made remember when he was on that radio show where he says well if you if you want these big players basically you're going to have to pony up that was kind of a message yeah. to those boosters to people who maybe want to donate of well if you want these things if you want a nice shiny quarterback from the transfer portal it's going to cost you because this is just how it is now with the NIL so the second story one that a lot of people have been talking about on social media is one that just came out from the St. Louis Business Journal now it says that Bally Sports plans to drop regional sports broadcast possibly in September of 2024 and a part of that wind down could include the Cardinals and Blues forcing them to seek alternatives what does this mean for the Cardinals and the Blues my first reaction was worrying about what this means for the NHL teams especially the Blues well let's look at it from a selfish perspective last year when Bally Sports didn't pay the Diamondbacks or the Padres their rights fees Major League Baseball was ready because they knew that there were going to be teams that fell through the net and they needed a sa- another safety net and 
Those two franchises did. Major League Baseball had already purchased channels on DirecTV and on local cable outlets, and they were prepared to and did put the games on streaming platforms, and everything was fine. It was almost like you'd never had Bally. It just it, it was the same broadcast. It just had an MLB network bug rather than a Bally bug. And that's what will happen for the Cardinals. But, Brooke, your point about hockey is very well taken because I don't know where hockey goes. I don't know if baseball will partner with hockey. They do partner on networks. They're in the same building in Secaucus, New Jersey. But I don't know if baseball and hockey will partner. And I don't even know if baseball, if hockey can because of their games being on ESPN+. Plus. Is MLB going to be okay with a product that they're ostensibly producing being on ESPN Plus, I think it's going to be very difficult and interesting for hockey. And they might have to go old school and they might have to wind up back on free TV on like the Blues on Channel 11 or something like that. And by the way, Luke, uh, the, the, still today to this day, with all the cord cutting and all of the other things that people have the ability to do. The most lucrative thing in television is live sports. Yes, 100 percent. We've talked about this in, in the St. Louis Cardinals being in a position where they're going to be able to make money regardless of how this whole thing mm-hmm. pans out. Would it be beneficial for them to bring the Blues along, along having their own network like what you see in New York or the Yes Network and, and, and all those different entities that, that are making a lot of money yeah. just producing the, the content themselves? I think so. And we see the relationship, right, between the Blues and the Cardinals. Bill DeWitt third and Tom Stillman have a great relationship. They skate together. They they play pickup games together. Bill DeWitt likes hockey a lot from a business perspective. They partner a lot. And it seems to me that that just makes sense. If you're the Cardinals and you have access to a channel on Spectrum or on DirecTV, and this is mostly about those like me, those viewers that are still out there, because it's easy to put together an app. Well, it should be. Theoretically, it should be easy. Theoretically. To put it should be either easy to have an app that people watch games on. But it would seem to me, if I'm the Cardinals, and I'm done broadcasting games at the end of September, because networks take over. It's ESPN, it's TNT, it's TBS, it's, uh, it's Fox after September. But the Blues, at the end of September, the Blues start in October. It makes all the sense in the world to use that bandwidth that you have to put something else on there. So a partnership seems to make all the difference in the world. I, if, if, I was the Blue, if I was the Blues, I would be campaigning for that. And I really hope that that would be a possibility because I think it would be the best thing for everybody. And the ratings are great for St. Mm-hmm. Louis sports. People tune in. People show up to games. So you don't have to worry about that. Just one other quick question before we head out here when it comes to the Cardinals and how this could affect them. Now, I know that with any business, uncertainty always freaks you out, right? Is that maybe a reason why we saw some of these one-year deals this season for this offseason for the Cardinals because of that uncertainty of what's going to happen with Bally's? That would make sense. I felt like it was more because of the age of the pitchers mm-hmm. that, that yeah. Lance Lynn and, and Kyle but like Gibson why they're targeting. and what they had, yeah. what they did last season. Yeah. 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 I thought but that was more of it. If you can kill two squirrels with one tire, you go ahead and do it. <laughs> That's a new one. What? Well, it's never heard that. Why kill birds? Why kill birds with a rock 
When I've never heard two squirrels. <laughs> you like it though? You like it? I don't like the visual that it just okay, popped into either. my just, head. Yeah, yeah no, I didn't like but that. But here's the thing. <laughs> so you have the pictures with the option, and yes, they're, they're older, but for multiple reasons, perhaps, the Cardinals say, okay, we'll give you one plus one. And the reasons are because A, you're kind of old, and B, we don't know how much money we'll have yeah. next year. That makes mm. sense. Yeah. Makes so a lot two, of sense. Two squirrels. Two squirrels, one yep. tire. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Squish. Well, no. Why, why do we just, we why do we pick up birds? Why, why can't other wildlife be victimized by the human I don't, I don't species? Any, oh, we had PETA earlier this week, and now we're, got, <laughs> we're going down a dark road, yeah. sir. <laughs> uh, Carrie, have fun tonight at uh, Cybergs downtown. Will do. yes. Uh, you're going to be with Moon from the yes, Red Show? Yes, I will be. Watch some thir- Thursday night football. Continue to hockey. beat up on them. Yeah, yeah. Blues hockey against yeah. the Buffalo Sabers. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Thursday night tonight with Carrie and Moon and Bud Light at Cybergs on Market Downtown. Thanks to our producer, audio and video engineer, in for Matthew Rocky, Bradford Bruns. Great oh, job. Hey, Kenny. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. You betcha. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun? Yes. Good. CD. Show us your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Friday Eve, everyone. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.